Cause he's blue blood flowing through our veins Sitting in the bleachers in the rain We've shed a million tears and drank as many old style beers out at the game Let's go Cubby Sunrento Michael Cotton Sunrento Michael Cotton Sunrento and the lovable Lucy Lucho Scali Michael Sunrento Hi, thank you very much. Welcome to the Sun Ranto Show. I've always wanted to do that, but you know, I was uh, scared to show up, Michael. I didn't want to make him look bad. But uh, hey, welcome to the Ranter Roundtable. My name's Danny Rocket. I'm in here with our my first roundtable guest, Mike Waller from the Cubs PS Plus podcast. <laughs> Easy for me to say. And it's brought to you by our 115 Patreon supporters. And Blake Beard's tickets. Um, you can buy Blake Beard's awesome tickets down the third baseline at the Blake Beard on Twitter. Uh, also, Rogue Wave Creative for your branding and graphic web design needs, and the Cubs PS P- Plus podcast, a Northside Numbers game, is also a proud sponsor yes. of the Sun Ranto Show. And thank you very much, Mike Waller, for that. Um, today, we're going to run through, all, like, there's so many great Cubs podcasts out there. Everybody with their own take and their unique talents and their unique perspective that they bring to being a Cubs fan or a Cubs analyst or even an ex-player in, in, some, uh, in some cases with some of the, you know, the more, I guess, corporate casts, you know, that hire ex-players. But we're so lucky. So I like to have everybody on the show one at a time to, to, and have them roll through. And so that's what we're doing tonight. And the first people that we're going to have on the podcast, uh, Mike Waller, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us all about uh, the Cubs PS plus podcast? Sure. Thanks for having me on. I love this podcast. Um, I love what you do for Uh-oh, the community. I think, I think Mike might be frozen. Are you, are you there? All right. I see my, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. We can. Uh, We're off to a roaring start. <laughs> great. Love technology. Yeah. No, I'm thrilled to be here. I love what you do and bringing the community in, Danny. And so thanks for having me on. But um, I just passed the one year mark of this podcast. I had my first episode July 9th last year. It's something I've never done before. So it was just something I thought, hey, a lot of idiots talk on mics. So why don't I be another one? Um, it's been fun. I try to bring something a little bit different. I've had some a variety of interview guests, including Infield Fly Girl. Um, it's been a blast. It's been helped me kind of watch the Cubs in new ways than I ever have before. And it's been really cool. I'm going to drop your link tree right now in the cast. So if you don't already listen to the Cubs PS plus podcast, you should. I'm also dropping the link tree to our other guest, uh, who's going to come on and talk about this team and at least far uh, as far as what's happened so far this season, but uh, my co-host on Cup of Cubby Blue, Sarah Sanchez. Welcome to the Ranter Roundtable, Sarah. Hey, Danny. I'm sorry I am a couple minutes late. I was actually having such an amazing conversation um, on the, this next episode of Cup of Cubby Blue that is about to drop 
that I totally lost track of time with our guest over there. And so I like, I, I apologize for being late. That's fine. Well, introduce yourself to everybody. Who, who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> what what, <laughs> what am you? I doing here? That's a very existential question. Uh, I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at bleedcubbyblue.com. I'm the co-host of the Cup of Cubby Blue podcast with Danny. And I join the Sun Ranto show whenever I get a chance because Danny's great. And uh, so let's let's talk about this team that's not so great. But first, I do want to say uh, happy anniversary to Michael Cotton, uh, because that's why he's not here right now. Um, and of course, his wife, Emily, too, has a, has a, sh- has a share in it. Um, happy, happy anniversary to both of them. Uh, that's why Michael's not here. He's uh, actually going to go watch the St. Saint Paul Saints, I believe, a minor league team. And um and also, infield fly girl is tuckered out from an incredible week, taking in all the all-star festivities. If you didn't already hear our podcast uh, of the discussion that we had last night with her, uh, we released that today. Um, and that's just on uh, the uh, Sun Ranto Patreon page. So please become a patron. You can hear all about that stuff. But uh, wish them well tonight. But let's talk about this season so far. And then, um, and then uh, I also want to mention uh, hashtag chance in the chat with, win a Frank chance postcard sent to you by me with a message of love and dupe. Don't forget to do that. But let's talk about this team so far. Uh, hasn't been great. We're in fourth place right now. I'm going to throw up the standings. Uh, we're going to talk through a couple of the uh, win loss splits that we have, but here's the national league standings as we sit. We're barely in third place, seven games back. Um, uh, our Pythag- we're 42 and 47. Uh, great baseball historian Pythagoras says that we should be 47 and 42. Uh, Sarah, why aren't we 47 and 42 with our plus 26 run differential instead of 42 and 47? Because the bullpen has been really bad at various points in time. So the Cubs started with an abysmal record in one-run games, and the offense has been inconsistent. So there have been lots of games where, despite the fact that the Cubs have outscored their opponents in blowout wins and they have outscored their opponents uh, overall, they have not scored enough runs in any number of situations, and therefore they are underperforming their run differential, which, frankly, I just wrote two pieces for Bleed Cubby Blue that are the case for them to be buyers and the case for them to be sellers. It could really go either way, depending on what happens in the next 17 games over the next 20 days, it's close because this is a team that is not quite there yet. They're approximately a 500 or sub 500 baseball team. And sometimes that looks really good and they get lucky and we get hopeful. And sometimes that looks really bad and we get despondent and think, get rid of everybody and start over again. And that is what happens when you have a middling ball club. Mike, what do you have to add to that? I mean, do you, do you see uh, add to whether you think they should be buyers and or sellers based on their current position? Well, I read Sarah's pieces, and I mean there are great arguments both ways. She nailed it. Um, I think for this team, I think Sarah, you you were the one early in the season, I think, calling them what aggressively five hundred, aggressively <laughs> average, and that's that's kind of what they are. And if you look back at the losses, we talk about the bullpen, and usually when you think about a bad bullpen, you think about the teams that are blowing saves in the ninth all the time. And the Cubs haven't really done that. Fulmer blew a couple. But this team plays close games, and they get late in the game. The offense shuts down. In some cases, the bullpen was bad. In some cases, the bullpen, you go out and lose a 2-1 to game because you gave up a run in the ninth. It's kind of hard for me to yell at the bullpen, but the problems have been 
just not good enough in a lot of areas. Yeah, it's like it, it seems like if one thing is working well, something else is working poorly. And if and then when the bullpen's fine and it's sta- it, like recently the bullpen is somewhat stabilized, mm-hmm. but then the bats disappear or or whatever. There's it's if it's not one thing, it's another is, is another way to put it. And then let's look at some of these Cubs win loss uh, splits on the year. They're pretty much equally aggressively 500 on ho- at home and on the road. Uh, really sunk by a tough May where they went 10 and 18, a 13 and 13 April is a little bit better than we thought they'd do it there. They had a 39 uh, positive run differential. That's when it was really making headlines. Uh, June, they were slightly above 500 in July. So far, they're slightly below. Um, What do you attribute attribute that uh, May swoon to? I mean, Honestly, they had a really tough start to their season. If you look at the teams that the Cubs played in the first half and change, it's slightly more than a first half to the All-Star break. They played a Marlins team that is overperforming a lot and playing kind of above their skis. They played a Baltimore team that's in second in the AL East, which is by far and away the best division in baseball. They played a Yankees team that's in fourth in the AL East, but that team has a winning record. They'd be in second if they played in the NL Central, they played a bunch of games against the Dodgers, who are an excellent team in the NL West. They had a really tough schedule coming into the season. Now, the good news is they have a weaker schedule in the second half. So you could sort of squint and see the Cubs overperforming in the second half, just like they did last year. Mm-hmm. Last year, they were a sub-500 team all the way up to the trade deadline. And in the second half, they were an above-500 team. And you could see that happening for this team again. But you can't guarantee it because the team is just not consistent enough. And there's a reason that every projection system has had this team pegged at 74 to 78 wins from a month before opening day to opening day to the middle of April to the middle of May to now. This team is approximately a sub 500 team. It's true. Besides the Pythag, which says they should be better, almost everybody else has been calling for 77 wins, and they're still right there, and they're still saying the same thing. And uh, let me give you a a few more stats. I mean, because the May, here's what happened. We lost three or four to Washington, D.C., and that was a real kind of crap sandwich that we ate because those were all winnable games, and we blew it. Um, then you lose two or three to St. Louis, who we didn't know how aggressively bad they were going to be at that time because we lost to them. So that's frustrating. We lost to Minnesota. We lost to Philadelphia. We got swept by Houston and Cincinnati swept us, which really kind of put them on the map, at least in our eyes. Um, and in May, we did manage to beat Miami after losing to them on the road. We beat the Mets and we beat Tampa Bay. So we've been able to beat some good teams. We've lost to some bad teams. It's just a real head scratcher um, at why it is so abysmally average. <laughs> I guess I, I would say I don't want to compare too much to last year because last year's team was bad. Um, this is definitely a better team than last last year's. And one of the big differences is they're not getting blown out as often. There have been a few here and there if the starter lays an egg and everything goes to crap. But they're in all these games. And so they're more competitive. And so that does make me think they'll be more competitive in the second half. But on top of that, too, is with the buy-sell, and Sarah, you touched on it some, like some of the people you would sell are people that would impact next year. Like I know Stroman can walk, but the Cubs could also spend the next three months negotiating a contract with him. 
So if he was automatically a free agent, maybe you deal him. But here's a couple more uh, stats for you. Talk about aggressively average. Oh, sorry. I think you were breaking up, Mike. Oh no, I was, I was just going to say that Stroman's a guy you think about. If he was just a free agent and was gone, you probably would trade him if they decide to sell. But it might be worth not trading. I don't know him. if Mike's breaking up to anybody else but me. Can you hear me, Sarah? I can hear Mike just fine, but I don't know if something else is going. Danny, I can also hear you just fine. So I'm assuming everybody can hear us just fine. <laughs> all right. That's good. Um, all right. You'll have to decipher to me what Mike's saying because I keep jumping in because I think he's I mean, talking. He's, he's pointing out the thing that um, I think we all kind of it, it gets complicated when you have opt outs in a contract. It means that the player, if they have a great season, can opt out. And so it's income. The front office might treat that as this is the last guaranteed year of Marcus Stroman. So if we don't extend him, we should trade him. Um, and there are a lot of opt-outs here. Smiley has an opt-out. Stroman has an opt-out. Bellinger has a cleverly designed opt-out. He was only ever really supposed to be here for a year. And so you've got three players who are pretty good trade chips that you could probably net some really great prospects for. And, they're not technically in the last year of their deal, but they're basically in the last year of their deal. Yeah. Well, let's since you brought up the pitching and really how good it's been this year, I'd like to bring in another voice to this conversation from the CHGO show. It's Cody Del Mendo. Um, of course, I call What's it Chuggo. I can't let that just just <laughs> go, you know, and just let let you have that. But welcome, <laughs> Cody. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and let's talk about some Cubs pitching. Oh, Danny, thank you for the introduction. I uh, love how you always pull off that joke. It just never gets old. Exactly. Not like anyone else has ever used it before. Not never. like I've heard it on the internet or anywhere else before, Danny. <laughs> I invented it, and I am the proud owner of the Chuggo joke. Yeah. So you can hear Cody, but not me. I can hear you now. <laughs> can you hear uh, me now? No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, I'm, I'm hearing everybody. How you doing, uh, Cody? And, what, and, I, and tell everybody who you are. Uh, so I'm Cody uh, Del Mendo. I'm from CHGO. I do the CHGO Cubs podcast um, for anyone watching that has never checked it out. Um, Danny, last time I was on the show, well, before I left, I remember telling you that there was a guy at my gym who was wearing all Cubs gear. And I mentioned to him like, hey, like it was weird because I hate being that guy. But like I see him at the gym every day. And I told like I said, hey, I, I do a Cubs podcast if you're interested. It was, a weird, it was the last time I thought I was ever going to do it. Anyway, this guy comes up to me like three weeks ago, and he's like, dude, I love your podcast. And I was like, all right, cool. Now I'm back in on doing that if I see say, a guy wearing Cubs gear to the gym for weeks upon end. So, yeah, but, but he also at the time, at the time, the reason I'm even saying this is when I mentioned that I do a podcast, I asked him what shows, if he listens to any, and he said that he listens to your show. So. That's uh, now he listens to both of our shows. Well, you got you got to question his judgment right there when you heard that. And <laughs> but I, but I do encourage you to talk to as many uh, strange men at the gym as you possibly can. It, it really, it <laughs> I always, do not encourage this. It always nope. goes well. So I'm I'm, I'm someone who makes like a man. I'm someone who will make conversation at the gym if if, if it feels right. I, I see the guy every day wears Cubs gear every day. Every day. Saw him today wearing Cubs gear. So let me give you some uh, some information here about the Cubs uh, pitching, okay? Yeah. Now, here's just individual stats. I kind of looked up who was, like, towards the top of the league 
I think we all know this on the show, just to remind everybody how good some of our pitchers have been and maybe how disappointing some other ones have been. Steele is fourth in the ERA. This is all in the major leagues. Uh, Steele is uh, tied for 14th and hit by pitches. So he's <laughs> he's up there as far as uh, hitting guys. He, but he also has a 1.06 whip, which is 12th in the majors. His uh, – Walks per nine is 10th best at 1.87. And then uh, Stroh gets into the act with his 18th best whip at 1.11. He's 11th in ERA at 296. He's tied for second in the league by pitching uh, starting in 19 games. Stroh is 10th in innings pitched in the major league, so he's eaten a lot of innings for the Cubs at 112.2. He's sev- But he has given up the seventh most walks in the major leagues, which I think might be a surprise to some people. Now let's get into some of the bad. Drew Smiley, a little bit disappointing. He's got his ERA over four now. I think the disappointment in Smiley is somewhat overshadowed by our disappointment in Jamison Tyone. Um, uh, Smiley also had almost pitched a perfect game, which – we all remember as him being good, but you know, mostly it hasn't been. Um, he actually has the 20th most walks, uh, and he's 24th in uh, most earned runs, so like in the bad way, like 24th worst. And then, uh, Smiley has given up the 18th most homers at 15 home runs in the majors already. So, um, starters overall, 10th best ERA, 402. 15th in average innings pitched, 6th fewest homers haven't been given up the long ball, 10th fewest walks, 6th lowest walks per nine, 7th fewest strikeouts, though, and uh, the 5th lowest Ks per nine. So they're not striking them out, but they're not walking them either. And the 8th lowest batting average, average. that's top 10 at 243. Um, Cody, since you just came on, like, tell me, yeah. the starters, have they overperformed, underperformed? How are you feeling about what the Cubs are doing in the rotation <clears throat> right now? Uh, well, I guess for me, uh, Kyle Hendricks has definitely overperformed, right? Like, I didn't have high expectations for him coming in the year with him starting on the injured list, but he's been he's been as good as you could have hoped. So for him, I'm I'm pretty happy. Not only for him personally, but like you know the Cubs. Um, Jamison Tyone obviously hasn't been he hasn't lived up to anything except for you know you're hoping that maybe this his start in New York leads to a, a second half surge to maybe at least even out uh, the good and the bad for the, the entire season. And then, you know, obviously Stroh and, and Steele have been, you know, two workhorses at the top of the rotation. So there's no complaints there, really. I know Stroman's last three starts haven't been great, but um, maybe he was due for some regression based off, you know, his career numbers. He was, he was having one of the best seasons of his career. Right. Um, and then, Drew Smiley, I mean, his first few months, if you, uh, you know, want to bring up the game logs for Drew Smiley, April and May, he was, he was kind of hiding the fact that Jason or that Jamison Tyon was really struggling because he was pitching well. But his June, his June starts are not good. Uh, and his July starts, the one or two that he's have or had, haven't been good. So they need to get him back on track. He's a veteran pitcher. You know, I, I feel like he was also due for some regression. No one would ever have thought that Drew Smiley was going to take a perfect game into the seventh inning, and then he did. And the only reason it got broke up was because Jan Gomes ran him over. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I, I, he's – to me, like, they obviously need Tyone to, you know, even out what 
what it, what the season has been. Like he, he obviously has to be better. And it seems like maybe they figured something out in New York because to go from where he was to throwing eight shutout innings, only giving up what one or two hits. I mean, in New York in a ballpark like that, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I watched that game going into it, I I had no hope they were winning that game, and they <laughs> ended up I, winning pretty easily. I, I so. think we were all pretty shocked. Yeah. When, when Tyone pitched so well uh, in New York, we were, I was just shocked to win the game at all because yeah. we had never won in New York. I got uh, right here Drew Smiley's uh, game logs up, and it seems like it's just kind of gone downhill, like over time. Yeah. Like he's sort of run out of steam. Like mm-hmm. he had that, you know, the one hit almost complete game that was in April. Ten strikeouts, and then ever since then, like there's been a couple good starts, but you know it. It's been hit and miss since then, and it's been now mostly miss, kind of. Yeah, well, I well, guess my – my sorry, I, I was just going to say, like, my expectations for Drew Smiley as a – you know, he came in the season as, like, your four starter. So that's, like, how I look at it in terms of, like, expectations. And, yeah, he overperformed in April and, and most of May, in my opinion. So I wasn't surprised to see him come back down to earth a little bit in June. Um, I just – if you can get five innings and three earned or less out of Drew Smiley, that's a win, whether the Cubs actually win the game or not. But, like, as far as, like, what you're getting out of him, like, that's a win. You you will never complain about getting five innings, three earned or less with Drew Smiley on the mound. So that's just kind of the way I look at it with him. So, um, yeah, like, again, they he overperformed the game of the year. And, you know. Do you guys see any – I'll, I'll start with you, Mike uh, – do you see any of these guys getting shipped out? And if so, who? I mean, it really comes down. I mean, they, they are so on the fence on whether they'll I'm buy or sell. It's, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Yeah, um, we can hear you just fine. I'll just, I'll just hope it's going into the recording. Otherwise, <laughs> we'll have dead air. My fault. Um, I think that it's going to be tough on what the decision is. But I think Smiley's a guy you might be able to sell. But one comment on Smiley, and I guess Danny's going to come back in is uh can you hear me now danny dude mike i hear you perfectly clear okay, and the chat says that they can hear you perfectly clear too so i think Perfect. you just go and uh i'll i'll answer i'll go after you because i have a thought on smiley too and then we'll lo- we'll do that to loop danny back in well, i need to turn a light on here too because it's getting <laughs> weirdly dark here and this is what happens when i podcast back to back well so smiley's a guy that if you look back at his career history he's never really been a 30 start guy between all of his injuries and going in and out of the pen, he's not a guy that's been able to do this and sustain it for a whole season. So kind of to Cody's point, I'm not surprised there's regression. I don't know if maybe he needs a break. Um, He's still somebody that I think would be valuable to a contender because he's shown that flex role. He's shown that he can be good in the bullpen. And Sarah, I'll I'll toss it to you. No, that's exactly it. And that's exactly right, Mike. I was going to say something really similar. I mean, I've got Drew Smiley's Fangrass page up right now and He's not thrown more than 126 and two-thirds innings since 2016. Drew Smiley has been injured at various points of every season in the last seven years. The most innings he's thrown was he threw 126 and two-thirds with Atlanta in 2021. Last season, he topped out at 106 and a third innings. He is already at 94 innings. Drew Smiley is at like... 95% of his workload from last season. It is not surprising that he's struggling to maintain some of the stuff that he's had over that time period. Frankly, uh, I play in a bunch of fantasy leagues. I've got Smiley on a handful of teams. I'm sort of looking to move on from the Drew Smiley experience because I think it's just going to get 
a little, it's only going to get worse from here. I, I sort of think the Cubs wish he could have held on for like five or six more starts and then they can trade him and turn him into a prospect and bring him back at some point in time. I will say they've done a great job managing his workload. They very rarely let him throw more than 85 pitches in a game. It's a way to keep his pitch count down while simultaneously managing his innings. But honestly, I sort of anticipated he would max out this year at 120 innings and he's already thrown 94 of them. So y'all do the math on that. And they set the threshold for his, his his own personal opt out at 100 innings. So if he threw 100 innings, he earned the opt out. So that's Correct. kind of where, where they've priced it. Yeah, yeah. It's so much. To, and here's the thing about also like you you look at some of these guys with the opt in the opt outs like uh, Stroh as well. Uh, you could also Hendo's got that option to to stay. Uh, so that's really attractive maybe to another team if he's pitching like this. You look at our farm, and every time they've come up, you know, for whether it be Wisniewski or Assad or, uh, you know, I guess Ben Brown, as everybody was excited for five seconds, and then it just is kind of iffy down there in the minor leagues right now. You've got Killian that it never has worked at the major league level so far. So you're not necessarily ready to trust that. So would you be willing to, like, not sign any of these proven arms, let Hendo go, let all three of them go, really just shake up the rotation and say we're going to let the kids play and replace all of those more veteran arms, or would you Or would you just do one of them? If they fall out of contention, I think I'd be okay with it, but I think what they've done the last <laughs> few years, if, they're, if they go on a bit of a run, if they're three games out at the trade deadline, it's a really hard season to punt. That's a really hard message to send to the fans. Yeah, I mean, I... I've said this a handful of times. If like if they're selling, like full on selling three consecutive seasons, man, that's just a bad look and to a point to where even I couldn't find a way to defend the front office or ownership for for anything. And I mean, I I don't defend them for everything, but I do think I'm a little bit more optimistic than a lot of people. And if they, I I think that they're more likely to do what many say, like a like a soft sell or a soft mm-hmm. buy. You know what I mean? I don't think that they're going to just ship everyone out. They're they're too. I don't think they're the the division's not good enough to to give up on the year. Um, and also the plan, quote unquote. It, it, in our eyes, or I would assume in the front office's eyes, based off how they've been doing things the last few seasons, is that they really do want to be playing meaningful, like competitive baseball next season. And like, I know PCA is supposed to come up next year and then, and you know, they can sign some other guys in this off season, whatever, but letting like shipping Bellinger out and shipping Stroman out and all that, like it, you're, you're going to have to replace them with other guys. Right. And like, Maybe Jordan Wicks can take his spot. I don't know. Like he hasn't proved a thing, right? And Ben Brown, he's had his ups and downs in, in Iowa, right? Like none of those guys have proven anything. Those guys are supposed to be guys you just supplement with your veterans that you already have that have proven something. So mm-hmm. um, I understand the process or the idea of sh- moving some guys, um, but like your big names, like Stroman, for example, or, and even Hendricks, I, I, I don't agree with, with moving. Can I just say about the schedule? Because I really think this could go either way. It's the reason that the pieces I just wrote were a case for buying and a case for selling. I think you can make either one and you could live with them at this moment in time and they would be an excellent case. 
there's 17 games left before the trade deadline that's 20 days away. Uh, four of those games are against teams with winning records, three against the Boston Red Sox starting this weekend, one against the Cincinnati Reds, which will be the last game before the trade deadline. The rest of those games are against, honestly, teams that have struggled and been pretty terrible this season. You have three games against the Washington Nationals. You have a bunch of games against the St. Louis Cardinals and the White Sox, and I recognize that those are rivalry games, and so they'll get played really hard regardless of the fact that those two teams are struggling. But if the Cubs can win, I don't know, 12 of 17 of these games, 13 of 17 of these games, which is a totally doable thing for a team that wants to fancy itself as being in contention, then they should not sell. They should absolutely buy whether they're five games out or whether they're three games out. But they go into this period and they go 500. They go seven and 10. I think they're sellers one more time. And I wouldn't fault Jed for doing that because frankly, if you can't win a majority of your games against teams who are at the very bottom of some of the worst divisions in baseball, you probably don't have a shot at playing in October and you should get whatever prospects you can. And part of uh, who they might ship out, and I know it hasn't gone quite as well for like the flipping of the relievers like we did for with Chafin uh, that one year, it seemed like every guy that we picked up off the scrap heap, we were able to flip for prospects as we didn't compete. But uh, this year, even though the bullpen was pretty disappointing at the start of the year, it has stabilized somewhat. And here's some reliever stats. Uh, they have a very average bullpen at 401 ERAs. That's 16th in the major leagues right in there, there in the middle. They've actually taken the sixth fewest innings pitched in the majors. So it really is the starters doing the bulk of the heavy lifting. They haven't get given up a lot of home runs because of that, because they've only the fourth fewest in the major. So they've kept the ball in the park, even though they haven't been out there as much as other teams. They're, they have the 11th best strikeouts per nine, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. Uh, but And they have the ninth worst walks per nine. So they are walking a lot of guys. And they have the 11th best 230, 237 batting average against. So it hasn't over – even though there's been ups and downs with the pen, it all has come out to pretty darn average. Um, mm -hmm. Who do you see being a part of the Cubs' future in our bullpen right now that <clears throat> will be here next year? Uh, and who do you think could get traded? Uh, I think the easy answer is Daniel Palencia. Like, we haven't seen a lot of him yet, but, I mean, the – you couldn't have asked for a, a harder situation for him to make his major league debut in when he mm -hmm. came in a, a, in Milwaukee, I think in extra innings. Um, and he, you know, the defense really helped him out, but, you know, he got, I think he got a one or two strikeouts in that appearance. But either way, he just showed some poise. Obviously, has a stuffed 100 miles an hour fastball. Um, every, like, he's been, he's been everything or he has the makeup of everything that you want and like someone in the back end of the bullpen, whether he's going to be your closer one day or not. Um, and you got him for chafing. So I, uh, you know, I don't, I know the prospect guys love this guy, um, but he just based off the few appearances, the, the more innings he gets the rest of the year, I think that really, if he does well, I think that really solidifies him as one of their back end, back end guys for next year, for sure. I think he's going to get a lot of lot more opportunities and high leverage in the second half. Just you know, because if they do kind of sell, maybe not full on sell, but kind of sell. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Leiter Jr. or Merriweather 
are, are on their way out. Um, maybe he gets to be in one of those roles. I, I personally hope that it's not both of them at least, but um, I, I think right now their bullpen is set up pretty well with those two, him, Alzali, uh, and um, there's another one I'm missing off the top of my head. But, yeah, no, I, I think Palencia, as far as like the young, a young guy that's controllable, that they don't have to worry about moving or anything anytime soon, like he's – I think there's a lot of potential there. And to go the other way, um, you mentioned Leiter Jr. and Merriweather. Both those guys are guys who have had careers and not really been top bullpen guys. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs are now finding something, and they're both about to enter their Arb one year. So they are interesting because if, if the Cubs or another team really believe in what they're doing, they are cost-controlled for the next three years. Yeah, that's fair. It wasn't the situation with Merriweather that, we were, that the only reason he was even making the team was because he was – out of options. I mean, there's a lot of guys that really had to prove it. And then you got Fulmer, it, who I think you were hoping was going to be somebody you could reclaim and then fix, uh, but that didn't seem to work out as much. They've been trying to dial him up in some better situations or more high leverage stuff. He's been better of late. He's been better. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's all been – we'll go back to Sarah's original quote, aggressively average or aggressively 500 baseball team or slightly below. Yeah. So uh, we're going to run some more people through here. Um, you're all more than welcome to stick around, uh, but in, in just one second we're going to bring on Alex, Pat, and uh, Jeremy Deemer uh, from the Wrigleyville Nation podcast. A- Alex Pat is from Swirsky Sports. Um, we-, we can let uh, you guys go. We're going to play a quick commercial break. And uh, when we come back, we'll be here with uh, totally new people. Uh, just to, you guys can tell me in the private chat if you'd like to stick around or not. You're more than welcome to, of course, because I've got room for 10 in here. We can go full on CNN talking heads <laughs> if we want. Um, I can't promise that you'll be able to say more than one thing, but <laughs> you'll be in here. Um, so we're going to play a quick commercial uh, for Patreon. It's how we keep the lights out at the podcast. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. There's all sorts of perks at every level, uh, including joining our Discord, where uh, you can make lots of great Cubs friends. But we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Ranter Roundtable. As always, hashtag chance in the chat, and you can win a Frank Chance postcard sent to you by me with a message of love and doom. And I will, uh, you will also be entered to win a monthly prize. Uh, everybody, for some reason, opted to stay a little bit longer. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll change that real quick um, by bringing on our next guests. Uh, first, it's Jeremy Deemer. Welcome to the Sun Ranta Show from the Wrigleyville Nation podcast. One of the longest running. Uh, how long have you been going with uh, the Wrigleyville Nation podcast, Jeremy? Since November of 2013. So, yeah, wow, that's a, right around when Sunranto started. We're like the grandpas of this. <laughs> yeah, as soon as um, Ivy Envy got out of the way, then we became the longest running podcast. Series, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, uh, welcome. I love your show. I try to listen to all the shows at least uh, uh, once a week during the season. Uh, not don't catch everybody's episodes all the time, but it's funny to hear you guys all in real time. Because normally I listen to everybody at 1.5 to 2 speed, uh, depending on if my brain's working fast. So everybody sounds like incredibly slow to me now. I'm like, man, Cody talks so slow now. Jeremy talks so slow. <laughs> everybody, it's so funny. Um, also, 
Uh, Alex Pat is going to join us. Uh, he's from, uh, well, tell us who you are and uh, what you're doing here and what you do uh, for the Cubs. What do I do? Well, I can answer that in a lot of ways. But uh, I've been writing about the Cubs for Fansided since 2017. I've uh, been with the Swirsky Sports Podcast since 2016. Cody and I actually used to work together at Fansided way back when. That was also when I was uh, host of the old Climbing the Ivy podcast for Fansided. And Cody and I did a few episodes together uh, back in the day. And I mean, that was back in like 2018. So yeah. I remember when we did shows when we first uh, signed you, Darvish, and when I thought Tyler Chatwood was going to be the missing link <laughs> to the next World <laughs> Series because of the movement on his sinker. But um, yeah, you know, other than that, I just kind of bum around and uh, you and I, Danny, we tell lame jokes with each other and uh, we never stop. Yeah, we do. We make each other laugh on Twitter pretty much all day long. I, I do enjoy that. So uh, another thing that makes me laugh, uh, the Cubs offense. It's It's been a, a, bit, a bit offensive. Uh, I, I know I know it wasn't going to be the best in the world when we went into the season. Everybody knew that pitching and defense was going to be more of our strength. Uh, but let's talk about this offense right now. Uh, we're 18th in OPS, 21st in homers. We do have the eighth most triples. Um the fifth least doubles. Yay. Yeah, so not not a lot of du- – Mark Grace is rolling over in his someday grave. Um, fifth fifth most walks, so they do take a lot of walks. Thank you very much, Ian Happ. They, do, they strike out a lot, which was a little bit of a surprise for a contact team. Eighth most Ks. They are 14th in stolen bases right in the middle of the road, but they've been caught the eighth most, so that's not good. And they're – 13th and run scored. So pretty darned average. Um, I'll, I'll throw up a, one more stat here, and that that is Ian Happ is second in walks in the majors and 15th in OBP. So he's having a decently boring offensive year because walks are boring. Um, Horner is 24th in the majors in hits. So, you know, that's something. 10th in stolen bases with 20. Um, Suzuki's been caught stealing a lot when he's on base. He shouldn't run because he gets caught a lot. He's uh, eighth in uh, caught stealing. And he also leads the team in average exit velo, uh, say a Suzuki does, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, So, uh, Jeremy, uh, we'll start with you because you're uh, on the show. Uh, You just got on the show. Uh, The offense, disappointing surprisingly average better than you thought like i like aggressively average i'm going to use it a lot sarah thank you uh the, <laughs> no, um you know when the season started we looked at the roster construction of this team and we were you know most of of cubs twitter blogosphere etc was not saying this is going to be an an offensive juggernaut here this team is built for defense and uh and and not really offense it you you were lucky that you've gotten what you've gotten out of uh, cody bellinger this year uh christopher morell total surprise at this point right but if you take those two out and you just look at on base plus slugging the mlb rankings we talked about it on this week's podcast that we did um morell and bellinger don't qualify they don't have enough plate appearances but the cubs number one leader in on base plus slugging is ian happ you mentioned a lot of his stats right there He's 74th ranked in all of baseball. The Dodgers have two in the top five. The Braves have two in the top five. The Cubs, 
don't have the offensive sluggers. They don't have those power hitters that, that this team needs. Ian Happ can't be that guy. He's he's you know he's he's more of a uh, you know that's your five six seven uh, type of performance you want to see. Who's that? Who's in the heart of that lineup? They just don't have that guy. Well, you saw it because there was just an All Star game and there were no Cubs in it. You know, so it's like <laughs> we don't have any All Stars on the team because we got no stars. Uh, Alex, uh, where are you at with this Cubs offense? Like, what what do they need? What do they need? Because it it feels like it's just. I mean, it was never well put together. You never had like a lot of lefty slug in there. You 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 always you you wish you had like a typical four or something like that. Um, what do they need to, to What do they need to? Uh, I guess you know soup it up at this point to get it going. Well, I think one of the important things that we want to see in the second half is more power from Seiya Suzuki because when we were looking at this team in the off season. We knew that this was not going to be a team that was going to hit the ball out of the ballpark like the Braves or the Dodgers or the Yankees, but we did have the hope that Seiya Suzuki was going to be that 25 home run hitting guy. I think a lot of people had that hope, and I, it was reasonable to think that. You look at last year, okay, he hit in the, the teens or whatever, but he missed some time due to injury, and we saw him make some adjustments because – you know, first year over in the States, you're going to have to make adjustments. And he did make those adjustments, to be fair. But, you know, this year, you're seeing – you showed the uh, the exit velocity stat with, say, Suzuki. It's like, sure, he could sting the ball, but it's, it's on the ground so much. There's so little lift to it. And I think that if he was on a pace to hit 20, 30 home runs, we'd be singing a little bit of a different song right now in terms of where we think this team is. Would it be the sole thing that would make them contenders? No, there are other factors too, but just him being in those RBI spots and, you know, RBI spot may sound like old school, but you know what? The people that drive in runs that hit for home runs, RBIs slugging, guess what? Those are the teams that get results are the ones that have those type of guys. And we're just we're seeing uh, three and four hitters in Ian Happ and Suzuki. You, you look at them and you say, and you know, Jeremy, you kind of touched on this. You look at them and say, well, in other spots in the lineup on a winning team, you could see how that fits well. But you're asking those two guys, who sometimes I feel like look to take the walk more than drive and runs when there's an opportunity. You know, I, I made this tweet the other day. If they were hitting like Derek Lee or Ramos Ramirez, that would be different. But they're just not those kind of guys. And th that's why it's so frustrating is because we say to yourself, how the hell do we fix this? How do you change the DNA of certain players and turn them into 100 RBI, 900 OPS, 30 home run guys? That's not going to happen like that. And I don't expect Ian Happ to really be that 30-plus home run hitter at this point of his career. I think he kind of is what he is now, kind of selling out a little bit for the power and trying to get on base more. And again, that's all fine and great if you have guys that drive and runs. So honestly, it's you look at the situation, you almost say, these guys just got to do more. I mean, I don't think that there's going to be a solution walking through that door. It's just you got to make with what you have right now. Otherwise, you're not going to really find that solution right now. I know Cody and I talked about that at the ball game. I'm just like, we're like, what should they do? And we're, we're both like, they just got to do better. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they were hired, better, man. Yeah, they were hired to do this, and That's they're the not doing thing. it. They got to yeah. do it. 
Yeah, and and the, it's, it is a whole team full of table setters. It feels like sometimes. Yes. it's just like they're they all just want like they all just want to take the walk and just get on and and all. But nobody's coming up with the big hit. I mean, there's a couple clutch guys like Nico's been pretty clutch, you know, in in the times when the games are down. But but nobody's coming up and hitting that big three run homer. They're like. You know, moving the guy over so maybe somebody can hit a sack fly with the bases loaded. You're like, no, I need a double off the wall that clears the bases, and nobody's doing it. Yeah. So, um, so here's a question, uh, uh, Jeremy. I, I I don't know if you talked about this on your podcast, but um, what would you add? in the trade deadline that could maybe like lengthen the lineup in such a way that would maybe insert some, something like that. Did you have any specific kind of holes to fill? Yeah, that's, you know, when you look shopping list, (laughs) when you look at it um, and where the Cubs are right now in, in the standings, the season, the roster construction, the talent, what, what kind of player do you want them to get? Uh, we you know, we talked about it that we don't think a rental piece makes any sense. Uh, any trade they should make should be for a player that's going to be on the team next year, right? So, who's got that control that you could make a move for to get somebody next year? Um, we were talking about, you know, who could be available. Where where can the Cubs weaponize their money in a way that that hey, a team's going to be looking to shed some money next year? You can get in here and make a trade and try to take some some money off the books you can like a guy like uh, ryan mcmahon came up right like in colorado not a not a super sexy name but he's got a bigger contract than colorado probably wants to have at this point and uh it, it might be a guy you could you could plug in there for some power there's the uh it's worth a conversation of of you know maybe a pete alonzo with uh with the mets say hey what can we do here uh you you've you know there, there's there's opportunity there to 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 make a trade to get somebody that that would really make an impact for down the road. It's not about a rental this season. Yeah, what are they calling it? Like a, a, a trade light or what? Somebody said it before. I forget what the the phrase was about. Like soft trade. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what I soft said. trading. Oh man, it's it's just like skin and max late night trading. It's just <laughs> just not quite enough. You know, it's not. So, I mean, it's interesting because you can make these li- these small little moves and improve the team for the future. And I think maybe part of that would be uh, letting some of the kids play and maybe see what you've got for the future. There's always that balance between how much you're going to let the veterans play and, and not. Um, I'd like to bring somebody else into this. Uh, and maybe we can transition a little bit into the draft that just happened as well. But uh, the Reverend Kfids here from the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast, uh, welcome. Uh, why don't you tell everybody about yourself and uh, who you are and what you're doing here? Sure. My name is, uh, according to this, I'm uh, Greg Brady in this Brady Bunch. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, nice to be on. Yeah, because uh, K-Fans with the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast, we're, uh, uh, thanks for having me on. I would say us, which is weird because it's probably multiple personalities, but um, it's actually a really strange hybrid kind of podcast, which we actually need more Cubs listeners because it's like White Sox heavy, but it's like a White Sox Cubs podcast where half the show, we try, we talk about both teams depending on what's going on. So, uh, you know, we which is weird because obviously Cub fans and Sox fans are uh, sometimes fire and water, and we get along strangely, which is great. So it's uh, it's it's more like the, uh, um, what is it? Not the apocalypse, but the uh, utopia, I guess we'll call it, where we're actually nice to each other instead of constantly busting each other's chops about 
attendance jokes or baseball IQ. It's more than that. <laughs> well, that that's nice because that's the the yin to our yang over here. Because I give white the White Sox as much crap as I possibly can at all. Uh, whole, lot of yang, whole lot of yang. Whole whole <laughs> lot of yang. Um. So uh, yeah, we're just into the offense. How disappointed we are in it. Um. And I'm thinking that maybe they could. I don't know who. We've got in the minor leagues that can maybe come up and spark. We've tried your Jared Youngs. We've tried your Mervises. Like, I, let, let me uh, just start with UK Feds. Like, do you like the idea of letting the kids play? Um, do, do you see just like, sh- I don't know, a, a, a situation where, I don't know, they're, they're just like, okay, Mancini, we're not playing you anymore. We're just going to bring up Mervis. You're going on fake IL. Like, we're letting the kids play. We're seeing what we got for next year. Like, what what do you see as far as that concept of letting kids play? And I'd hope to go around the horn on this question. I mean, I think the first question is obviously buyers or sellers. Once you've kind of figured out and locked in on that kind of forward progress or plan, then you can kind of decide on how much you want to expose your young ball players and your young talent. Um, with young talent too, you've got to expect that two steps forward, one step back kind of progress. You know, they're going to look great on certain days and they're going to look horrible on another. And so you've got to like walk the fine line of, again, keeping that fighter pilot mentality, which is confidence. You go out there and if you crush someone's confidence, they go out there and they struggle big time. You want to, you want to kind of protect them from yourself. So I don't think you can like just throw Mancini completely just into the trash heap because he serves a purpose. If you are playing the youth. Uh, in that situation, which would obviously be a seller situation. Um, you've got to allow those guys an opportunity to sink and swim, but at the same time, you still have to have a life preserver so that they're not completely getting uh, thrown to the wolves. And and then, the, you know, the, you know, you want them to get enough experience that in the offseason, they've got a cup of coffee, they've got an understanding of what it feels like, they know the routine, they understand what it looks like as far as being in a box or speed of the game at the major league level. Then they can go into the offseason and say, all right, I've seen this now. I know what this entails. Now I can prepare myself going forward this offseason you can create an offseason plan for yourself uh as far as development thing you know maybe you just you didn't see the spinner very well you're like wow that ball really you know dips at the last second i'm not used to that hold on let's get in the cage let's start working on some some offside stuff that maybe can maybe help maybe strafe a baseball or, or maybe extend the strike zone a little bit again because with our terrible umpires that we have in current you know, baseball you've got to be able to strafe a ball eight inches off the dish just to make sure you're not leaving anything to chance so all that stuff kind of comes into play so i think that's kind of where you're but if you're if, if you're if your buyers I think that you just go with the best nine. You have to if you're if you're because you're competing. So you you know if it's a, if it's a young ball player, great. But if it's not, and you're 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 going for it, it's just, uh, time and a place. Sorry guys, we'll, you know we'll find a place for you, but it's not right now if we're trying to win. Danny, I have to jump in on something with the Matt Mervis thing here. Matt Mervis under the hood, like not the actual results. I understand he didn't do what we thought he was going to do. Under the hood, he looks really really good. And I, and what I mean by that is if you go to his baseball. Savant Page, he's got a 13.8% barrel rate. That is a remarkably good barrel rate. He's got a ball that was hit 111.8 miles per hour. His average exit velocity is 91 miles per hour. All of his X stats are like overperforming his actual stats by 50 to 75 points. His expected and on pitches too. It's not like he was struggling against fastballs or struggling against breaking balls or anything like that. He's just he just got remarkably unlucky in the very short time that he was in the major leagues. A 13.8 barrel percent rate 
should play. Like that should be a 25 home run dude over that's the course the of a 20, season. That's the 2023 Cubs in a nutshell. Just it, un, it's you know, not underperforming though, their overperformance. <laughs> yeah, but the difference with Mervis is like with a lot of those guys who are underperforming, you can see something that's wrong. Like you can see they're struggling against a breaking ball or they swing on too many pitches out of the zone. Mervis didn't do anything wrong. He just got unlucky and didn't have long enough for it to correct itself. And so instead we have to watch this. The only first baseman I want to see other than Matt Mervis is Cody Bellinger, period, the end. Like, I don't want to see Trey Mancini there. I don't need to see any Jared Young. I don't need to see any of these other dudes there. I just want to see Cody Bellinger or Matt Mervis. And if you trade Cody Bellinger, just give the job to Mervis and let him play out the street. Jeremy, let the kids play or no? Uh, Sarah hit it right on the, on the head. There's no reason we're done with with Trey Mancini in my book. This should be uh, uh, Mervis's time. Uh, Cody Bellinger will be traded. Uh, I don't see the Cubs re-signing him at this point, and so uh, he, he you. There's no excuse not to play Mervis and see what you've got. You've got to have this is this is the time to do it. You're. They're not going to make a push. They're too far behind, and un- unless they get crazy hot and get really excited, uh, I-, I think they'll be 500 the rest of this way. And and it's an opportunity to let Mervis work through this stuff. Get him back up here. I it would really really have to be a hell of a run, you know. And the right. idea that they'd be adding some giant bat in the middle of this and selling off their future and then going on this like winning 25 no. games in a row thing—it's like pretty unrealistic. Um, Alex, where do you kind of see the rest of this season going as far as the, you know, the the tinkering with the already flawed roster? Well, you know, I think just the path we're going is I feel like it's more likely than not. We're going to be looking at a last few months where you're not necessarily going to be in playoff contention. You might play well and be close, but I think there's a difference between being close and being legitimately in it. So I do think the open opportunity is going to be there for the young kids to play. And if we're talking about certain young kids, I think there is a very important baseball player on this roster that's young. We have to talk about his name's Miguel Amaya. And I think he needs to play more and more. (laughs) I mean, this, this guy so far... The hitting stats look good. I mean, like, I believe his OPS is over 800 right now. So Mm -hmm. he's had promise with the bat. But there's something else, too. The way he's caught some of these pitchers, you see the results there. And I don't think that's just a coincidence. I mean, obviously, you give credit to the pitcher where it's due. But we, as well as anybody, know what it's like to have different kinds of catchers behind the plate calling games for different types of pitchers. And I think so far, you're seeing some really good chemistry with some of these veteran starters and Miguel Amaya, I think it's really impressive. And I think that needs to be said. I I don't remember exactly what game it was, but I believe it was a game early on when Miguel Amaya first came up and he caught a Justin Steele uh, game. And just, I mean, everything was on the same page. Everything looked great. I, I don't think there's any sort of like luck or coincidence there. I think that's a testament to what Miguel Amaya can do. So I think it's important that he plays as much as possible both as a hitter and a catcher, because this right here is an essential part of your future. Jan Gomes is only going to be around so long. You're not going to have Tucker Barnhart around forever. And then you look at other catchers in the system. 
I mean, this, this is your guy right now to be your future at that position. And I think it's really important that we let him play as much as possible, as I do think it is with Matt Mervis. If you need to know what Matt Mervis is, you got to figure it out now because it's not like you have a line of potential guys behind him. You got to find out now if these guys are it or not. And regardless of whether or not they're in contention or not, you need to see what Matt Mervis can do. You need to see what Miguel Amaya can do. And I mean, this goes just beyond this year. It's essential for the long-term plan, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and with Amaya, too, by the way, isn't it strange that we're here, it's the end of the All-Star break, and the Cubs have basically catch, kept three catchers yeah, on the 27 man this entire and, – and even when the season started, we were like, what, really, three? And now it's and – it, and it's, it's stunting the, the ability for Amaya to actually get – Consistent starts too, and they don't well, play. The and they don't play him, and and it, this yeah. has been with a lot of guys like Morel too. Like he'd come up, hit two home runs, and then they'd bench him for two days. Or like, uh, it, it, I think somebody that I would like to see up this year would be somebody like Nelson Velasquez. You know, like mm-hmm. getting his shot. Yeah, I think that's another person. He, he came up. Slug. He came up, hit a freaking go ahead grand slam, and they sent him back back down like the next day. It was like, no, not good enough. We need we need boring people. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't know what really what they're doing. I mean, it's is it the development is the the idea between playing the kids and playing the vets because you know that you think they're going one way when they ship Hosmer out the door, but then they were like, no, 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 just kidding. We're going to play Mancini there and make Miles Mesh Bodie play third uh, and. Uh, right field or you know like just the weirdest stuff um love something as much as david ross loves aging backup catchers like honest to god it is the most ridiculous thing that i have ever heard in my entire why is tucker barnhart taking playing time away from miguel amaya miguel amaya has a 12.8 percent barrel rate he's hit a ball 107 miles per hour he is clearly the best offensive catcher that the Cubs have. And I will say he probably needs to develop a little bit in terms of how he does game calling. I mean, we all know that Kyle Hendricks is calling his own pitches when Amaya's back there. All he's doing is receiving. He's not doing any of the game calling yet. He probably does need to learn some of that. He can learn it from Jan Gomes. I was told that Jan Gomes is like a catching savant and the best defensive catcher in the history of baseball. And so I don't understand why Tucker Barnhart is in this lineup at all. The David players Ross love Jan himself Gomes. Tucker Barnhart. That's basically, it's David Ross. Yeah, it's can like I play, can I play devil's advocate? Tucker Ross, just for Tucker Ross. <laughs> please do, please do. So my whole thing on Amaya, the whole reason that like like I'm actually okay that like with the playing time he's been getting, um, just because I don't like Gomes is having like one of the best offensive seasons of his career. Barnhart, whatever. Stroman doesn't like he. Stroman will rave about Tucker Barnhart. So I think that they're going to, at least when Stroman starts, they're always going to play Barnhart. So, like, I've gotten over it. But my thing with Amaya and why I'm, like, okay is the fact that no one thought we would even see him this year. He got called up for an emergency situation, and he's blown my mind. I I did not expect to see any of this. He hadn't played for basically, you know, two years. He's Really? Well, that's, the develop- that's the problem is I don't think we're getting he's getting his development because he didn't play for two years. And right. so well, now he's still I'm, not playing, you know, miles, all, I'm, miles. all I'm saying is that I think they're easing him in the best way they think they can. You can you can disagree with the way that they're doing it. That's I'm not going to try and convince you otherwise, but that's the reasoning that I have in my head on why they don't play him as much. Now, well, I wouldn't be upset if they DH him a little more. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. uh I as far as like overall playing time, like if they do sell and they're out of it in the second half, then yeah, I think they should definitely play them a lot more. But when they're trying to quote unquote win games, like I'm 
I'm fine with how they're using him because, and I, I only say that just because you know, these young, these young guys, sometimes, you know, things can go way up or way down real fast. And so like, I think what you're getting out of Amaya to this point, no, again, no one expected it. So I'm, I'm just riding the wave with it and hopefully he ends the year with great numbers and he learns a lot and you can just put him in there as your opening day catcher next year and, and ride. Cause like, again, in the off season coming in the year, I didn't think we were going to see him. So if it, they he's do, he's been one of the bigger yeah, surprises. He, if they do trade Stroh, maybe Wait, maybe Danny, Barnhart goes me. with. Maybe, <laughs> if they do trade Stroh, maybe Barnhart goes with him. Maybe that's part a little package deal, actually. Too. <laughs> Again, Danny, I would, I would rather see Amaya than him. I gotta I get back in <laughs> on this Miguel Amaya versus Jan Gomes's best season ever thing because Jan Gomes has 198 plate appearances. This season, his WRC plus is 94, which means he's been 6% worse than league average at driving in runs. He is slashing 262, 303, 415. Miguel Amaya has 69 plate appearances. Nice this season. His slash line is 255, 382, 418. He has a WRC plus of 125, which means that his partial season is 31% better than Jan Gomes's great season at driving in runs relative to league average. And Tucker Barnhart, meanwhile, has been an absolute disaster with 106 plate appearances, a 191, 274, 245 slash line, and a WRC plus of 47. Like the odd man out is clearly Tucker Barnhart, but also Miguel Amaya should be in the lineup way more than Jan Gomes because Miguel Amaya's first crack at MLB is 31% better than Jan Gomes at his best. I would I would just say for me it's the it's the reaction and the adjustment to what you have. I think coming into the season I think the Cubs would have been insane to just pencil Amaya in as the backup catcher because yeah. he, he hadn't played a full season since 2018. But now that he's healthy, now that he was performing so well in the minors and he's up, you got to use that bat. And maybe you're splitting the deal with catching and and to your point, Cody, um, he's caught Stroman a ton. Barnhart has, but his last, at least his last start, Barnhart didn't catch Stroman. So if they're already going to make that break, then you know the Barnhart money is not so much that you can't walk away from it. I think it's three point two five million. They'd be on the hook for next year for another three point two five million, but who cares? Yeah, um, you're going to make that up by my plan. Again, I, I was playing devil's advocate for the I sake know, of know. playing it. I, do, would I rather I see Amaya than Tucker Barnhart? Yes, guys. Yes. It, it, it seems would I like rather this... see Amaya more than Jan Gomes? Yes, I would. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my, my concern is just the playing time split. I'm not saying that you're like, yes, Jan Gomes is. I don't think you think that, Cody. I just also think that Miguel Amaya is getting a fraction of the plate appearances he needs to develop as a major league hitter. He's doing a great job with the plate appearances he has. And there's no reason that he shouldn't be the DH instead of Trey Mancini or Jared Young or yes. the days when Miles Mastroboni is DHing. Like, if you don't trust him behind the plate yet, at least let him swing the bat. I don't know what he is doing send him, send in the him. dugout where he can't swing the bat. Send him down to swing it, too, if, if you're not going to play him. Like, let him get his development in. Yeah. So, um, well, we're going to have to take another quick break because we got people waiting in the green room. This show just keeps on rolling. Um, we, we will. Uh, Cody said he'd stay for one segment. He's here for two now. Uh, we'll we'll do take, the bitch clock. 
damn it. Oh, yeah, the bitch clock. All right. All right. Before, before we let you go, we're going to do the bitch clock. I'm putting you in the bitch clock seat. The bitch and, clock uh, is the best. Yeah, I know. I've been waiting around for It's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> Me too. First, uh, first we have to uh, take a spin of the bitch clock. So we've got some grievances here. Um, there's inconsistency. Uh, there's Danny calling it Chuggo. That's uh, something you can bitch at. Um, no, no vibes on the Cubs. Letting Stro go, uh, like if they were to do that. Not letting the kids play. Players out of position. Players playing out of position. David Ross. Tom pretending they are buyers. Morell not having a position. Selling at the deadline again. And jed <laughs> so let's <laughs> just jed. jed god danny I, i've never jed. needed anything more than a bitch clock of jed so <laughs> let's take a, a spin of the bitch clock grievance wheel and we are going to get ooh, now you get a mulligan if you don't want to do it but it no like, I, I was hoping i'd get this one i have uh, i have i have a lot to say we're, about we're, this. we're get we're getting uh david ross here so let me uh let me present the uh I got to I got to get it all set up. Sorry. We need a song that's like the bitch clock theme, but it can be to the love boat. The bitch clock. Anyway, Soon will be. Um, so, all right. I got to get I got to get the bitch clock uh, going. Here. Sorry. Uh, no, I've, I've got I don't have a bitch clock song, but I do. This is the 32nd bitch clock. So Fuck, you have 30 seconds to bitch. All right, David, I am so tired of you playing Ian Happ in the three or the four hole. I can't take it anymore, all right? The guy is one of the best on-base machines in in baseball. What, three, over three, well over 350 on-base percentage. 377. Okay? Whatever. All I'm asking seconds. is to play him either in the leadoff or in the lower spot of the lineup because he's not driving in runs, and that is why this Cubs offense is so inconsistent most of the time. Stop your bitching! <laughs> Very nice. I could I could have well gone done. for another like two minutes about that, <laughs> about that in general. I know we we awesome. I've I've got a uh what well uh Alex would you like to take a spin of the bitch clock real quick? Oh hell yeah! Let's All right, go. we Let's might have go. to we yes. might have to just go a little long and we'll put Alex in the in the bitch clock here. So all right, I've got to uh, hold on, share my screen to the wheel of grievances, and we're gonna spin it again. Can you honestly, see that? Danny? There should just be a whole episode of the bitch clock. Really, like I'm just thinking this it. now. The new show. Okay, here we go. Morell not. Having a position is your category. Here we go. I gotta wait to restart it. Here we go. Bitch clock, you have 30 seconds to bitch. This guy is one of the most productive people on your team, and you can't figure out where to put this guy. You're trying to figure out a million things at once. Here's a guy that can actually slug, produce, but you don't want to put him at third base because you got to play Miles Mastroboni or washed up Patrick Wisdom. What the goddamn fuck? Why are we fooling around with stuff that just doesn't work instead of trying to make something work that actually might work? It's infuriating. Just let him play. Let him develop. My God. Stop your bitching. And stuck the landing. Oh, yeah. My. I like the end. It was just, it was very like grandma-y. Oh just, just my God. Um, uh, that was great. That landing. was therapeutic, man. You, yeah. you got to do this for us more. I feel like I will just let off the right amount of steam. 
Yeah. You, you do one, like Sarah said, one show every week or how, whenever you can, just bitch clock. Thursday night bitch it. clock, God damn. Yes. Yes. A bracket of bitches. Uh, okay, wait, Danny, I have an idea. Trade deadline bitch clock. Once the, t- once the Cubs sell again, I really think we just need a whole episode that is like, invite all of us on. We each get our shot at the bitch clock. Yeah. I call the Jed category. Yeah, we could do votes from the fans <laughs> and they can write in and we'll pick a winner and uh, they win a cake or something. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Um, Jeremy, <laughs> would, would you like to take a, a, a spin of the bitch clock wheel as long as we're all going around? I'll, I'll get KFIDs on the other on the flip side because no, I do want to talk about the draft. I want to save my bitch clock for when we do the episode i want to be one of those guests on that episode Uh, mike mike you too because we really should move on we're about 12 minutes behind the bs schedule consummate host keeping it moving here exactly (laughs) i i I must i must well uh i'm gonna play a i'm gonna say goodbye uh to jeremy and sarah and mike and uh, and Alex, if you would stick with us, we'd, I'd love that. Uh, KFIDS, if you could stick a little bit longer, but we'll yeah. say goodbye to Cody, too. He's been here a long time. Uh, please uh, check out everybody's shows. It's the Wrigleyville Nation podcast. It is Cup of Cubby Blue and the Bleacher Punch. It is Cubs PS Plus podcast. It is Swirsky Sports. And it is Chuggo, C-H-G-O, <laughs> and the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. <laughs> But uh, we'll be right back. We're going to play a commercial for one of our sponsors who sponsors the Patreon Prize of the Month, which is an In the Clutch t-shirt. Promo code SUNRANTO. You can get 10% off if you shop at In the Clutch. They got lots of great Cubs stuff. Uh, We'll be right back with some very funny comedians talking about the draft and the NL Central. Remember to use promo code SUNRANTO for uh, 10% off your In the Clutch purchase. Uh, Alex, uh, KFIDS, uh, welcome back. We have a, a much uh, less busy, less crowded room, but I'm going to make it a little bit more crowded, and I'm going to bring on Joe Kilgallen, one of my favorite comedians and a great friend. Uh, Joe, welcome. Uh, introduce yourself to everybody real quick. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Danny. What's up, Alex? What's up, KFIDS? Um, so good to hear your voices. I've been following the two of you on Twitter and knowing your Cubs takes and liking them. And now I'm like, oh, cool. That's what they sound like. It's kind of fun to, to meet people you only see on Twitter via podcast. But uh, what's up, San Ranto Nation or San Ranto Nation, I should say. I always want to say San because it rhymes with Ron, but I know it's San Ranto. Everybody does it. I'm the only one that says son. So it really, it, even though I named it that, it should be me that switches at this point. You got to give so the people like the guy that calls it GIFs instead of GIFs, the guy that invented it. They're GIFs to him. Yeah, exactly. GIFs to everybody else. I'm the GIF guy. Exactly. <laughs> Just like GIF guy. So um, anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the draft. It just happened. I know these guys aren't going to be around for a while, but there's always kind of, if you look, if you take a broad eagle eye view on some of this stuff, sometimes you can see some patterns and some read the tea leaves into where things might be going. Uh, so I'll start with you, KFIDS. I saw you talking about it a lot. I know you're a high school baseball coach. You actually, I don't know if you want to say that you coached a, a somewhat famous Cub at one point in his young career. Might have been, might have been even hanging out at a barbecue with his father-in-law last night. Whoops. Yeah. No, so, uh, so you know what you're talking about when it comes to, 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 to young ball players. Um, what do you think? First, let's start with the first round pick. Uh, Greg Huss has this to say. 
uh, from um, Out of the Vines. My comp for Matt Shaw is a combination of Mike Trout and Barry Bonds. Uh, true, untrue, what do you think? Uh, I, I think that's, uh, that's probably that's being very modest. Um, uh, that's a modest. Uh, it's not hyperbole at all. So that one's a good one. Uh, no, but Shaw, I, I freaking love Shaw. Uh, I honestly, um, the more research you do a little bit about it, um, you know, you brought up a certain somebody that, uh, I have a history with, um, and Matt Shaw is very similar to him. He's kind of a dork, um, college mature bat, um, a guy that his, what do you like to do in your spare time? I like to read. Um, I like to hang out with my family and my girl, like play Fortnite. Like this is a, this is a dork, which is great. That's, that's a positive because again, we all know that if you're too big a partier, sometimes it's a little bit harder to be a successful cub just because the life gets a little bit tough and then you end up, you know, passing out upstairs at the Cubby Bear or not the Cubby Bear, right over at Murphy's. And so you're like, you know, whatever. So with, with Shaw, though, you get a, a really, you know, I saw a lot of people because he's it, the only thing that he is actually a comp with Nico Horner is height. And they both have a head and arms and legs. Um, he's very dynamically different than a Nico Horner. He is he has prodigious power. He is. Um, a guy that you're getting that, you know, I think you probably at this point, if you've been paying attention, you've seen the, the 500 and some odd foot grand slam that he hit against Iowa. Um, the guy, he's a hard worker. His, his power profile really clicked in his uh, last year, and then it continued on into this year. Um, and, and the weird connection here is actually, you know, I was joking about it, but I, I was with KB's brother-in-law's uh, father-in-law, who his brother-in-law played for Maryland. So Tomo, his brother-in-law, oh, actually yeah. was a player Tomo, at Maryland. And Tomo, they come yeah. from two Maryland guys, two Terps. And so they were real stoked. And Tomo's, you know, I've been texting with Tomo all week. Tomo actually, you know, he's this kid's a freak. He's, it's probably the best baseball player that's ever played at Maryland, in Tomo's words. And so uh, the Cubs got a mature bat that, you know, you say it won't be a while. This guy's probably on a two-year path. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this guy's uh, a late-season call-up um, as early as, you know, next year um, because he's just one of those guys. Again, he's, 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 he's going to be 22 here real soon um, in November. He's not a baby. So he's already a little bit further up in that development. And it's just kind of weird. This, this, this draft felt like a throwback. This all of a sudden, you got mature college bat with the first round, third round. You know, you've got another mature bat from Florida. You've got a catcher from Davidson. You got an outfielder from Minnesota, Long Beach State. All of a sudden, they went back to the mature bat st- strategy, um, which that Theo kind of coined when he started doing it with, with you know, started back in for, you know, 2013 or whatever with KB and doing the mature bat while everybody was taking young arms. Here we are, right back to that. Now, this was probably the most exciting draft we've had in a couple of years, in my opinion, just because it wasn't just like last year where it was basically all pitchers and like, you know, one position player or something or a guy that's a hybrid. This year, there's so much peppered in there, whether you're talking about everybody else. But the Shaw pick to me was uh, an absolute home run um, to me. I, I, last year, I was very frustrated because I really wanted to get Cam Collier. The year before, I really wanted Colson Montgomery, and the Cubs had them both, and they took pitchers that were not relatively like mainstream names. And of course I overreacted this year. I was like, Ooh, I like, so I guess I didn't have my yeah, normal. Last year it was, rant. it was almost last year. It was almost all pitchers this year. They did kind of a mix. They had college bats and then they also, uh, I mean, the second guy they picked is the compensation picked uh, number 68. He's kind of a, a broken pitcher right now. He's in, it, but he's, it's a high, high risk, high reward kind of situation with this guy. Um, they're, they're drafting straight stuff as opposed to, I guess, more, you know, because before it was the uh, high floor guys, right, that they were trying to do like, oh, he throws 91. He's a pitch to contact, you know, and now they're like, you know, drafting like 50 Dylan Maples is just to see <laughs> if one of them will, will be awesome, you know. Um, and so it's, it was a little bit more of a mixed bag this year. Uh, but yeah, like with 
if you say he's on a two-year plan, that's kind of exciting. A bunch of shortstops, which that's great because they can play anywhere usually. Um, and not as many high school dudes this time, but there was one that everybody was talking about named Zaire Hope. What do you know two, about him? There's two, actually. Uh, Alfonso Rosario, to me, was, to me, I think the he was my I mean, now, now, Hope is a freak, too. Hope, I actually love Hope because Hope could actually pitch. He actually has a really nice delivery as a lefty um, off the bump. And he obviously he's playing in Virginia, uh, not, not to knock Virginia baseball, but it's a little bit on the bottom, uh, bottom third when it comes to like high school sports talent. Doesn't mean, mean anything, stuff, stuff, um, tools are tools. But the Alfonso Rosario kid actually is a freak. Um, and if you've seen some of the footage of him, the kid is, he's listed at 6'6". Six, six. He's not 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'2". But he's still a brick house at like 210, 215. And he hits absolute... Taters, a good comp to him, I would say, in a weird way, maybe not height and size wise, but with power wise, is a uh, Jorge Soler. Uh, he hits bombs, um, and so, and then you've got the here, the the Hope kid, who is a left-handed bat. Again, great pop. Um, he's got a real short swing through the zone and uh, quick hands. And so, you'd like to see that uh, the the Melendez kid, whose dad got really mad at me because they just didn't have any information on him, and I just posted what I saw in Perfect Game, and he was like, you know, a little upset, and then we talked. But uh, another kid that you could see that's who they were saving a little bit of the slot money with, taking the broken guys up top, so that they can kind of like sign like under slot and then kind of go a little bit over slot. Because I know that uh, Melendez signed, I think, a couple hundred thousand over his slot. But the Hope kid, uh, you know, really neat. It's, again, lefty bat. You know, he projects as an outfielder. He's got a really good arm. Um, same thing with Rosario. Rosario's got a cannon. Um, I think they said he threw 101 uh, at a showcase uh, from Damn. the outfield. So you've got you've got some some like, but we've got the younger the guys that you have at projects are worth taking the time out to see if they if they play out. You know, and you've got so now you got Hope and you've got Najer Mule. So you got a couple guys that could theoretically be a hybrid player. I don't know if this is a thing now where every year you just draft a guy that does both and then see what happens and. The, the Shohei, Shohei uh, fishing, I guess we'll call it. But, um, I, I, again, the young guys balanced out the, the mature guys. And, the you know, I think there was one uh, – what was the one? Uh, I want to say it was uh, – was it Jonathan Long, I think? Maybe. Oh, Long, uh, yeah. Interesting guy, too, a guy that was a walk-on, didn't get a single offer out of high school, and walked on to Long Beach State and became their – Central basically MVP. Ninth, um, ninth round. So you like that kind of a makeup and a guy too that can handle the the bushes a little bit and the the struggles of just kind of going through that and guy that works himself into being better. So now, a lot of good names in there. So good names. Now here's my next question for Joe and Alex. Do you trust the Cubs uh <laughs> strength and conditioning uh system they've got going on? Do you trust that these guys uh can be can come through the minor leagues and become major leaguers at the hands of the Chicago Cubs and pitch lab and hit lab and all the, the you know all the nerdy stuff that they've employed in the last six seven years. Um, I'll, I'll go first if you don't mind, Alex. Go right ahead. That's a tough one. You know, as Cubs fans, we tend to overreact a little bit. I feel like all teams kind of have the injury bug. I know everyone gets upset with the Cubs because. It feels like our strength and conditioning coaches. Uh, and we also do that thing where it's like, oh, this guy's going to sit down for three days and eventually go on the IL when we're all screaming at our computers. Just put he's him on the IL. You know that's where he's going, right? Um, I have some faith in them. I, I like the strategies in, in the drafts. Like this year, as 
as KFIDS was saying, like they seem to take these short college bats. Like Matt Shaw, I think, is on like a nice Schwarber type plan, right? Schwarber was mm-hmm. drafted in 2014, was up in 2015. If the bat plays, the bat plays. I mean, you know, these aren't, he's 22. He's got the right size. His body's like there. I don't see, uh, you know, you're obviously going to want him to get some at bats in the minors, but if he's raking, bring him on up. And I can see his body type fitting at third base nicely. He's got big power there. And then in those, you know, when you take a hope and all those guys, they took him in what rounds seven to like 12. That's when you should take the big gambling. Um, I don't want to equate it to my fantasy football draft, but that's where I try to steal some picks later on. You know what I mean? You roll the dice on some people, but as far as development goes, uh, it's still a lot to be seen. There's a lot I like about our development. Um, and then there's some, there's still question marks about it up and down, but I still think overall, I do have some faith in them. I mean, the fact that they didn't give up on a Miguel Amaya, I mean, Christopher Morrell was the guy that people talked about initially. And then people forgot about for a while. I mean, granted we signed him as a international guy in what 2015, I want to say 2016. And then he makes his debut at 22 last year. And he seems to have got only gotten better. Um, I mean, obviously he's going to have his O for 20 weeks. That's just his style, but overall a very productive player. So yeah, I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them, um, I'm going to say I'm pretty confident. I'm not going to say strongly confident. I'll do one of those. I'm still a little bit of a cop out on my on my end, but yeah. So. Alex, do you tr- do you trust the the Cubs to churn them out like the Cardinals do sometimes? It seems Cardinals uh, did. Past did times. yeah yeah. Well, then <laughs> they trade. Then they traded him to everybody that. else. So Rosarena, you know, was a Cardinal. They- Isn't that refreshing to see uh, former <laughs> Cardinal farmhands excelling <laughs> elsewhere? Isn't so that nice. just great? Doesn't it make you want to dance in the streets and spin <laughs> around and just enjoy life? <laughs> I mean, do. seriously. Yes. Yeah. So, do you trust us to be the next, let's say, Rays? You know, like or the or the the Dodgers, how they always have some great pitcher that they've got coming up to join their rotation. Can we, can we be that team that develops these guys? Do you believe in it? Well, I'm going to kind of echo what Joe was saying, where it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm going to put some faith here, but I think being the, the raise is a very, very tall task because that's a machine. The way they got some magic over there, that is just it constantly churning through guys. And you're like, wow, look how good this uh, McClanahan guy is. Look how good uh, Snell was. And then when they're done with him, they trade him away. But, you know, if you guys remember, I think it was last offseason where Jed Hoyer says we want to be like the Rays. And I think it was very easy for us to kind of take that as, oh, well, you know, that means financial, not investing. No, that simply means producing like the Rays within the farm system, drafting right, developing right, and hitting your international prospects right. So I think they have the mindset and the dedication to make this work. But, you know, that's half the battle. The other part of the battle is actually doing it. And, you know, you can look at the past years. And, Joe, like you said, there are going to be prospects in every organization that are going to flame out, whether they just don't pan out, whether they get injured. You know, there's going to be various reasons. And, you know, unfortunately, the past few years, we've seen some flameouts. You know, I mean, look at Brennan Davis. Remember when he was the big prospect of this system and then the injuries came? I remember, you know, there were some mixed feelings about him, but I, I did like the Ed Howard pick a few years ago. And, you know, maybe something does come of that. But, you know, and, and, the, and my whole point is we don't really know, but I feel like the way that they've reinvested in their scouting and they're developing, I think that they have the right mindset to make this work. So I I think that it's very possible they can be one of those better developing teams. 
I'm not ready to put my confidence in saying that they're going to be Dodgers or Rays level. I mean, that's a pretty big level to reach. But I think it's reasonable to believe that they can make this work over some time. And, and that's another thing to keep in mind, too, is Jed Hoyer has only been in charge a few years on the whole scope of baseball developing. I mean, baseball is so different from the other sports. It could take years to really kind of find and develop some of these guys. So I guess there's just got to be an element of patience here. So I think we will have a better idea of how efficient we are at this kind of thing in another year or so. Is Pico Armstrong going to still be that big, great prospect that we have now? Are some of these guys we drafted, you know, going to be making their major league debuts or getting close? How are we going to handle some of these pitching prospects? Is Wisniewski going to be that guy? Are we going to make him work? These are going to be questions we're going to be asking. And right now, I'm still going to put some faith in it, but I'm definitely not going to guarantee and say everything's going to work out great because we know that's just, that's never going to happen. It's it's like if you get a, enough guys and if, right. that, if five of them are really good, that's a great lineup. Yeah, right hit there. on X number of players. Yeah. So I'm going to bring – If we could be third – I'm sorry, real quick, Dan. If we could be third behind Tampa and L.A., that's pretty good company. Oh, that'd be yeah. great. We don't have to be number one awesome. in everything. <laughs> yeah. and the Dodgers yeah. have had a great farm system since Jackie Robinson. I mean, my God. Remember well, in the 90s wanna... they had like four rookie of the years in a row? That team has just always had a great farm system. I want to bring in a couple of guys who are who root for teams that do have uh, pretty productive farm systems right now, and they're very funny comedians as well. Billy DeVore and Zach Funk, welcome to the show. They are uh, Pirates and Reds fans, and uh, also uh, Billy does a podcast called The New Nasty Boys. Why don't I let you introduce yourself? Uh, Zach, why don't you go first? Uh, who are you, and why do you like the Pirates? All right, so uh, I'm a comedian based out of Pittsburgh, and I've always loved baseball since I was a kid. I grew up in central Pennsylvania. My dad's family was more from the Philly area, so I grew up as a Phillies fan. Uh, but I moved to Pittsburgh to go to college. I've lived my entire adult life out here. Uh, so it was kind of just the, you, know, you grow into it uh, from being out here. It's a beautiful stadium, and, you know, as someone with depression, it's nice to have consistency. <laughs> consistent losing yeah you know it's kind you know it's coming you know like you have those days like all right well i'm just gonna be really sad today all right it's gonna be one of those seasons you just accept it and you move on and hope but at least there's comfort and routine exactly right? <laughs> how about uh, you uh new nasty boys tell me all about it oh boy uh well it's a Reds podcast. It's the first time that we are getting to talk about the Reds being in first place in the NL Central. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the year uh, if the Reds would be in first place, I'd say, yeah, what are you talking about? Of course they're going to be there. You ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, they're stacked. I, I, I remember um, you calling it then. Yeah, I, I, I think I remember that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> congratulations on that. It's like, you know, it, you're like the, the prettiest the prettiest team at the ugly contest, you know, it's like, it's, 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 it's pretty, but also Zach and Billy, like both your teams have overperformed this year. Uh, the pirates yeah. are kind of a really shocking start to their year where they spent quite a few days in first place, the reds, then they fell off thanks to the Cubs because you couldn't beat the Cubs. Uh, they didn't win a single game against us. And then uh, the Reds, uh, they just, just kept winning. They had a crazy run of things. And you did it by letting the kids play. And that's kind of been the theme of our night here as Cubs fans is like, 
do we play Mancini and the veterans go and the catchers and not Mamaya, or do we let the kids play and see how it plays out? Uh, with you guys, it's working great so far. Um, did you see it coming? Uh, Billy, why don't you start? Uh, I didn't see it coming like this. Like, I always thought, like, man, Matt McClain's really good. Ellie De La Cruz, the ceiling is so high, but the floor is so low. Um, Andrew Abbott was a stud in Virginia. Like, there were all the pieces that have come up and succeeded. I just didn't expect for them all to click at the same time. I mean, we fleeced the twins for Christian Encarnacion Strand and Spencer Steer last year. A lot of the, the success of the Reds has been, one, their development. They've allowed Derek Johnson to be the pitching development from, from low A all the way up to the pros and having a consistent message and on top of having – a uh, consistent plan on what they're looking for and the type of pitcher they're looking for. And same with the bats. Uh, and no, Bob Kessley does not need to sell the team. This is the first time in a long time where fans have finally shut up because they're doing either. They let baseball people make baseball decisions. And guess what? They're winning. And uh, Zach, how about you? Did you ever think that you'd be flying high in in May? <laughs> like, uh, no, like I mean that that was a major surprise. Um, and it's one of those things you know you knew that couldn't last because at one point they were winning like two out of every three games, basically. So that's that's going to fall apart. And but to the extent it fell apart, I'd like to uh, quote the Tick and say, "Gravity is a harsh mistress." Oh. <laughs> we flew a little too close to the sun too early. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, I remember, you know, part of the beginning of the season excitement was like, all right, great, we got Kutch back. And now the people are saying, okay, what can we maybe get for Kutch? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, he blocked me. Because it's just a one-year contract anyway. So, you know, hopefully somebody wants him. Or, you know, recently we brought up Davis, and the whole thing with him was like, we're bringing up our, 2000, uh, our 2021 draft for number one pick, and it's going to be great. And he's a catcher, and he's only played right field. That sounds familiar. That's Cubs. Cubs would do something like that. That's that <laughs> Forver like played us. right field in 2015. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> you know, I mean, I was excited by the draft. Uh, always nice to have a number one pick. We didn't pick any outfielders at all. No, you got that a- jerk, that that guy who's mean to everybody, but he's really good at pitching. What's his name? Well, I, the number one. Uh, which guy? That I. I Skeens from LSU. Skeens. Yeah. 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 Oh. Everybody oh, says I, I he's mean to everybody. Picture. Well, he's that guy that you would call a half a prick on the mound. That's those okay. are, you, love, you love him. Well, yeah, he'll he'll fit in well here. Uh, he's a John Lackey type on every team. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's it's always hard. Like I try not to learn too much about the draft picks because to me it's that thing of like it's why farmers don't name their chickens. You don't want to grow too attached. <laughs> 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 like oh yeah, they're gonna be great, and then you know I wonder where they'll end up in six years. Uh, you know, best case scenario, I feel like Skeens ends up being like a second Garrett Cole, where he has a great time here, he does very well here, and then he asks for a little bit of a raise, and they say no, and then he hates the team and gets out as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's. I guess that's my question, is I, when you see like little sparks of hope, like in the Pirates, who haven't been really relevant for the last, what, seven years, 2015 was the wild card. Yeah. The, uh, so when you see a situation like that, like, and then you're like, Oh, they might have some guys now they're playing uh, a little bit better than they did before. You know, are you wondering, I'm wondering, is this the beginning of something where now there's going to be 
regularly more and more, you know, dudes coming through, whether it be Skeens or whoever the hell else, you know, and all of a sudden you've developed these players like you have, you get enough of them and they overperform and they end up winning 98 games or whatever it was that one year. Do you, do you foresee that like next year? Like not this year, but next year I, when we get this guy and that guy, and then we'll be yeah. good. I, I'd love to see it. I don't anticipate it. I think in like two, three years, if things go well, we could have a pretty good year. Um, a lot of it's going to come back to like with O'Neill Cruz when he comes back from injury, you know, how's he going to play? Um, you couldn't anticipate him losing one of your bigger, younger stars. And I give the Pirates credit. They have done a good job signing people for once. Usually it's just been like, all right, uh, we'll see you when you can go. Uh, but I think it's just, there's so much wait and see. Um, and it's it just, it's hard to get any significant hopes up. You know, we've got people like, um, like Bay has been a great base stealer. Um, Jack Sawinski has been, you know, hitting a decent amount of home runs. Uh, but it's one of those things where at the end of the day, I don't think the pirates are a team that people necessarily want to come to. And that's, what's going to hurt is right. when it comes to free agency, when it comes to bringing in people that aren't, you know, drafted or traded, it's not a team with a good reputation of spending money, of, of building things. It's a lot of just, you know, take a shot on young people and hope we have a good year. And then we have seven years of nothing. It's, it's pretty much like the pirates break a mirror. And then that's just kind of what happens. David uh, Elliott's bringing up a great point here. Every team in the NL central is setting up to win in two or three years. Yeah. <laughs> but every year. And like, I, and I can kind of see that right now, like the reds are atop of the division. So, and this is a question I kind of want everybody to ask, cause we're right on top of the trade deadline. If the reds were to add to this team, like, they don't have the starting pitching. If you could get it from, like, let's say the Brewers, you know, like uh, you could combine the Brewers starting pitching with the Reds, it, you know, and you've got some more front-end guys. W- will they add somebody like that? Would they trade for, like, a Marcus Stroman and give up some other future uh, if somebody's blocked or whatever it would be? Like, will will they do it and solidify the fact that they could win this very winnable division Hands down, because right now, like I believe the Brewers are still predicted to win it, as according to fan graphs and the their tea yeah. leaves that they read. It it just depends on the asking price. Um, you don't want to mortgage too much, but also you need to all remember this: Hunter Green is out until August, and Nick Lodolo, another guy who was performing extremely well before he got hurt, is out until August. So there's two trades you're automatically making when they come back from the IL. The Reds do need a rental. Um, someone I would like is Lucas Giolito, uh, Lance Lynn, maybe. Um, <clears throat> and Stroman would be amazing. A lot of, you know, ground balls. In Great American Ballpark, you need the ball on the ground, not up, because it's just going to fly out of there. So, yeah, I can see them doing it, but I'm not, I don't think they're going to overpay. I, I don't think that they're going to do what they did to the Twins and the Mariners last year. You know, I, I just don't see it. There's, there's no need to mortgage your future this that much for what's going to also be another di- bad division for the next two to three years, too. And all of your future is most of your future is up right now. And Novi Marte is right around the corner, too. So I don't know, man. It, it just depends. Like I heard a rumor that uh, Brady Singer was available and that they were asking for CES and Spencer Steer. You can pound sand on that. 
<laughs> what if everybody sells? <laughs> That's what, is, I, thought gonna, the, I thought you were going to buy. I thought you were going to buy. <laughs> great it's, just, it's, just the, it's the Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at each other. <laughs> Central. No, you were the cheap yeah. bastard. No, you're the cheap bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're all trying oh, you're to the, set the market. <laughs> oh, you're the billionaire who wanted to save money, but you're the multimillionaire who wanted to save money. Ah, well. You too. No offense, Billy and Zach, but like you guys are both talking about your fandom, and it's like, well, we know we're cheap. And I'm listening to this, and I look, you guys are doing great right now. But as a Cubs fan, it's so annoying because we could literally steamroll you guys financially. We should. Correct. We should literally yep. be like, I mean, we're a way bigger market. We generate way more revenue. Mm-hmm. Our owner is probably richer than your owners, or who knows? They're all probably about the same. But that's where I'm getting annoyed because I'm like, God. You guys are talking about things breaking the right way and how you shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. The Cubs really should have been like the Dodgers and like the Red Sox where it's like, oh, a bad contract? No big deal. We'll just throw more money at the next deal instead of acting like the Jason Hayward contract was this crippling contract that no <laughs> team could have come out of. They actually fooled Cubs fans. I know Cubs fans to this day who will still say, well, the Hayward contract, as if no other team has eaten. The Dodgers are still paying Trevor Bauer, for God's sake. I mean, there are teams, the Yankees are still paying Jacoby Ellsbury. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, the Pirates are still paying, Pirates are still paying Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. 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 I mean, exactly. I mean, you guys have your own network. I mean, it's absurd. And the fact that you went into, you guys went into free agency last year and just got a bunch of mid level free agents. Some some of the kids might be saying mid. mid. Yeah, we're mid. Mid. It's like it it doesn't you guys like it's just ownership doesn't flex it. And it's I I would be embarrassed when you're when you have a team that's owned by a guy who's made his fortune selling fruit and vegetables is letting <laughs> baseball people do baseball stuff and they're performing on the field. It's crazy, man. And with and like when when the the same thing when you guys talk about the Rays, when they're like, we want to be like the Rays. The Rays don't can't bring anybody in in free agency. They spend hundreds of millions of dollars on tech and development. You guys are doing that too, but and it's also insane that you still couldn't draw, I don't know, Correa this year, even though he's having a dog shit year, or any of the other top dogs. It, it, it must be something with Jed and negotiating. Dan, okay, Dansby's fine. Dansby is exactly as advertised, a 270 hitting shortstop who has a great glove. Great glove. But you need five more of those dudes to be above average. Well, we just really, uh, you know, as they said, raised the floor is was right. the, the idea. And the team did get technically better, but they had so far to raise that floor up. Like that we right. were pretty we had pretty much decimated the entire team and like ripped it down to the studs. So by the time you were adding things, you know, you had so many holes to fill. And I think mm-hmm. that our fear is that we've got some kind of a team together, like the starting rotation. That's what everybody always wants is a like good yep. starting rotation. And we have one and we're still bad. And we're like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, you know, we're playing like way behind our Pythag. So it's, but it's not a situation where you yep. want to rip it down to the studs again, because then the likes of the pirates and the reds are going to take over first place for no damn reason, because yeah, well, our guy won't spend any fucking money. Well, you know, you know what? It's tap- not for any, it's not for any damn reason. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. He's pretty good. Ellie De La Cruz. He's only hit for the cycle this year and stole for the cycle. It's so- pretty, We don't have a guy like that. We, I wish we no. did. So, um, 
we, we do have to take another commercial break and kind of like uh, switch this up. But I, I do want to give uh, Joe a moment to uh, plug anything he's got coming up. Like I know you said you have a show next week that people should attend. Oh, yeah. So uh, next Friday night, I'll be at the Laugh Factory in Chicago, not too far from Wrigley. It's at the corner of uh, Belmont and Broadway. I'll be there Friday and Saturday on all four of the early shows. I'm too old to be doing the midnight shows. They do it like at 1130 <laughs> and they, they know I'm too old for that. So I, I go home, but I'm Let on the, the seven and nine. Yeah. I've got I, children I sh- now. I go to bed. I showed up to do the midnight show one time and they're like, there's four people here and one of them's asleep. So we're canceling it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay. That sucks. I, I mean, they're actually getting good crowds there, but it's such a shit show. It's the drunkest people in the crowd, which could be fun sometimes, but uh, I'm like, I'm too old to be going up at 1 a.m. So it's like hurting puking cats. Yeah, it's, pretty much. Like I, yeah. I did a New Year's Eve show once, and that was horrible. As soon as the bell, as soon as the ball drops, it's just no, don't even try. People stop caring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same thing happened to me when mine dropped. But <laughs> Zach, what do you got going on right now? Uh, I'm working on some stuff locally, getting some new shows started. Uh, next month, at the end of August, I'm going to be in the Portland, Maine Comedy Festival. Uh, so I'm looking up, to, looking forward to going up there again. I did that last year; it was really cool. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, keep an eye out my uh, my albums online, different places uh, called Brains Are Weird. There's a lot of mental health stuff. Uh, the first two tracks are all about ba- pirates baseball. Uh, also, um, one of which is actually about going to the Pirates Cubs wild card game years ago. Uh, I I was at that game. Yeah, I think we talked about that last time. Yeah, yeah, I think we had a little bit different, kind of different nights that night. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I I literally wrote a bit about how that game was watching a stadium full of Pittsburghers go through the five stages of grief. Um, <laughs> I I but, got a giant beer winged at my head. That yeah. was it. Was that was intense? Do they call uh, those the five stages of Jake now? There, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the eight innings of Jake. Yeah, um, or whatever it was. There's something like nine. That. Was it? Did he do all nine? Yeah, that was a complete game. Yeah, no, yeah, that was a yeah. The 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 biggest the biggest moments for the Pirates were Michael Keaton did an intro video, and one of our pitchers (laughs) hit somebody. That was the those were the two big (laughs) highlights that got the crowd excited. And that was the final game, final career game for Ramos Ramirez, Mm. which is very easy to forget. But his final at bat of his career was against Jake Arrieta in that game. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow, that's amazing. Wow. I, I I feel like Christopher Morrell could be Aramis Ramirez if they would just let him play freaking third base for for once, you know. <laughs> I really feel like he could have that power just be over there. I mean, maybe not with the cuz Aramis was never a good uh glove anyway. He was okay. But uh Billy, what do you got to uh plug right now? In the clutch.com. You yeah. saw the commercial earlier. We, we have can... so much great stuff. I mean, that's the only place you can get a clerk with a hanging hog shirt. Yeah, I'm glad, by the way, that the hanging hog shirt isn't then turning into a Danny hog standing <laughs> wearing pants as you do. I, I do have yeah. I, I've pajama pants on. I'm, I'm comfy here. That's, Stretchy you know, yeah. COVID changed everything. I'm never wearing pants again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just lead up a little bit. This one's sick. We just dropped, we're dropping this one tomorrow. And uh, we're doing a special release on comfort colors. Pretty psyched. So if people like that brand of shirt, do that. Check out the new Nasty Boys. My co-host Chris is another comic as well. Uh, Chris Weir, he's great. You know, it's not all, it's not 100% Reds baseball. We talk about our week, jokes, and everything else happening in baseball. So definitely check it out. 
Very cool. And uh, K-Fids from the Pinwheels and Ivy Pod, thank you for uh, talking about the draft with us. And, and definitely a great follow at K-Fids if you want to know. Uh, really, you're talking about the Cubs all day pretty much <laughs> all the time. And so is Alex at, at ShyFanPat2. There's two T's in Pat, just like there's two T's in Rocket, my name. Uh, so uh, very cool. I, lo- I love uh, hanging out with you guys. Uh, when we come back, we're going to bring on uh, Crawley from the Fly the W podcast and also Frank Walker uh, from the Mistaken Identity podcast. And uh, But first, I'm going to play, play a quick commercial, and we'll be right back talking about the future of this season. Hey, real quick, I just want to remind everybody to put hashtag chance in the chat. You could win a Frank Chance postcard sent to you by me with a message of love and doom. Also, thanks to everybody that uh, shopped at sunranto.com slash stuff. It's where you buy your Amazon stuff anyway, but we've got our own search bar there. So let's say you're shopping at Amazon and you you fill your cart full of stuff. Well, then you just go to our website, sunranto.com slash stuff click on any of those at uh amazon ads and it'll take you right back to amazon you check out and we get like uh four pennies it's awesome um i would like to welcome to the show our final guests of the night we have old cubs sunranto hand crawley welcome to the show now from the fly the w podcast and also mr frank walker from the Mistaken Identity podcast. His first, is this your first time on the Sun Ranto show, Frank? Yes. Yes, it okay. is. First time. Well, welcome. Uh, nice to have you here. And um, I've been on your show. So this, yes. I, I, I love tonight. We've had so many awesome people on, funny people, smart people from all the different Cubs outlets. And I think to myself, how lucky we are to have so many disparate voices all talking about the same thing. I, you know, all day long, I listen to Cubs podcasts on my walk all day long because there's 55 of them. I never run out of Cubs podcasts to listen to. Other teams aren't like that. And hey, we're three of them. <laughs> so uh, well, well, let me ask you a question here. Hold on here. Mr. Desperate Voices shit. <laughs> Dude, Crowley's been to medieval times, by the way. So we're going to we're going to take what we get. He's gotten into the grog, I believe. Well, everyone's talking about outspending Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. You realize that if Cincinnati doubled their payroll, they would be equal to the Cubs. And if Pittsburgh doubled their payroll, it would still be less than what the Cubs spent. I mean, what are we talking about here? The Cubs are not spending money. They're spending, they're above average, league average in spending money. Are they Daddy Steve Cohen? No, nobody's Daddy Steve Cohen. Everyone wants to be Daddy Steve Cohen. But don't tell me they're not spending money because they are this year. No, they, it's $175 million, $25 million of it is Jason Hayward. and 183 yeah. So, but still, you got to knock out, you know, twenty five million for Hayward, and then, so then that's really what it is. Whereas I know it's the luxury tax and and all the thresholds you have to hit, and they don't want to hit the luxury tax. But guess what? It's not a luxury tax. It is just more money you have to spend to go over a certain amount. Like they could do it and take the division, but at this they could have done it in the off season. But they had they had to buy so much. Like you had to get. A rotation. You had to get 
a, an infield. You needed an outfield. You needed a first base, but a third base. You still do. Like, you know, so they had to get so much. They just kind of, I'd say, papered over it. Maybe it's a team full of insurance policies, ultimately. But, and it's kind of performing that way. But first, before we get to all that stuff, I do want to bring up Frank's recent trip to London. And I want to bring up some pictures that I screenshotted. Okay. Uh, tell me what am I looking at here? This is you in London with the W flag. Obviously, a game we the game we won. Yeah, so we picked the right game to go to, which is the uh, which is the first game. Uh, that is um, my son Jordan and uh, his mom Reba and um, his friend uh, Naya. And this is after the game, as you see, the uh, the beer bats made it out to um, London. Also, the Cubs snakes made it there as well on the Cubs side. <laughs> Yeah, I got but, some um, pictures of that. Here's here's you and a cup snake enthusiast, oh, yes. Al uh, Yellen. Al Yellen loves the cup snake. <laughs> I, yes. I'm being I'm being pretty uh, facetious with that, but uh, I I think I had a picture of the cup snake. But no, please go ahead. No, I'm gonna say I was I was just walking out in what would be the bleacher area uh, on the left field side, and who I ran into uh, Al and uh, Marion, where the bleachers would be at Wrigley Field. So it was just ironic that I ran into them there. So it was cool to catch up catch up with them. But there are many, many fans uh, that I saw from Wrigley that recognized me uh, out in London. We, we travel very well, travel very well. And so I guess you should tell everybody, you do, you work security at Wrigley Field. Yes, uh, I am. And usually on Friday, there's the cup snake. There's yeah, the, I got the picture the of the cup snake up. Uh, most of you probably haven't seen me in the bleachers. I'm usually there on Fridays. But, um, uh, yeah, I was somewhat disappointed to see the, the cup snake there on the cub side. But. You know, it's the thing now. So what can you say? <laughs> well, and tell everybody about the Mistaken Identity podcast, how that came about and what you kind of do with that show. Yes. Uh, Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark uh, is basically a podcast that looks at the people that make Wrigley Field go. Uh, anybody that's inside of the ballpark, the chaplain, the security, the ushers, uh, some front office staff, even some of the past players. Uh, Andre Dawson has been there. Fergie Jenkins has been there. And we talk about their personal life. And what they do outside of Wrigley Field, a lot of people see us as just security guards or see them as just ushers. But some of them have three master degrees and some of them live in Massachusetts and fly to work at Wrigley Field uh, for games. So uh, you get to learn a lot about the staff, the players, uh, behind the scenes, barbers, announcers, organists. Uh, You get to learn about them and what they do outside of Wrigley Field uh, on our podcast. That's a very cool and unique angle that you've got going on. And um, Crawley from the Fly the W podcast, tell me all about that. If uh, you don't listen to that one, you should put it on your Cubs podcast cast list. Yeah, we might be the seventieth best podcast, but um, <laughs> I would say more than anything, man, we just have fun. We have a lot of good guests out there. Uh, this week we have uh, Josh Friedman from WGN who went to the All-Star game talking to us a little bit about that. We have Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation on talking about the draft. So we try to cover as many angles as we can. And, and for the, those of you that know me, I try to get to a lot of games. And so I'll be at Boston tomorrow. So I try to kind of give uh, the perspective from what I see when I go out to games and try to get the pulse of the Cub fan going. Yeah, you and I were at a game just uh, last Wednesday, and uh, this this has got to this one's gonna make I think the the Ranter calendar cover. There you are <laughs> celebrating the victory when the Cubs uh, snatched the the victory away from the Brewers in the ninth inning with three runs, and you just as soon as the 
as soon as the ninth inning ended, you just ripped your shirt off and celebrated so gloriously. Yeah, uh, it, you know, it was one of those things that just didn't – it looked like the Cubs were kind of dead in the water, and then you got Devin Williams coming in the ninth, and you're going, uh, you know – here, just put us out of our misery, end it. We can walk home, and I'll have to listen to Eric Wheelow for the next two years about it. And sure enough, the Cubs come back, and it was just glorious. And, yeah, I lost my clothes. <laughs> it really was a fun game, though. Um, so let's talk about the the future of this season. Like, we've – you know, in a lot of this, we've been talking about the trade deadline and what might come of that um, with t- how there might be – you know, some personnel changes as, as time goes on with some of the contracts. But um, when you look at the schedule that's coming up, um, here's what Fangraphs has for us. I'll put this up first. Um, that right now we're 42 and 47, uh, and they project us the rest of the season to pretty much be the same, go 35 and 38. <laughs> and that adds up to a 77 win season, which is pretty much what Fangraphs predicted before the season started. Uh, do either one of you see a scenario or a path by which not only does it get better than that, but that it's enough to take the NL Central by storm when it looks like nobody's going to do anything? So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Carly go because I, I'm on the payroll, so I gotta say that <laughs> I win the World Series. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let Carly. But before you go, Carly, happy birthday by the way. I saw the Cubs tweeted uh, you happy birthday, so happy birthday. Yeah, but thank you, Frank. I'm gonna let you take this one. I know you're gonna go off on that one, so let me let me have you take that one. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, you know, uh, we keep saying no one's running away with the NL Central, and I mean that's absolutely true. Now, is there a path? Yeah, uh, I think that the when I look at the calendar, the schedule, I thought that you know for whatever reason it just seems like the Cubs always seem to have an easier second half than a first half. So if you remember, the Cubs were one of the best team in baseball from August on last year. Can I see something like that potentially happen again? Yeah. Now with the Brewers, they're, you want to talk about cheap teams. Look, they're cheap, but they figure out ways to win. But if you see Milwaukee and they start to sell off some pieces, they start to get rid of some pieces, now you got just Cincinnati in front of you, and we don't know what Cincinnati is. Because I remember in April, we're like, oh, this is never going to continue at Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh's going to come back to earth. And then all of a sudden in May, we're like, well, geez, Pittsburgh's still here, but they're going to fall back to earth. And then all, it took until like the close to the All-Star break before they finally – kind of started falling back to what we thought they are. I don't know if Cincy can keep up this pace. And so I don't, I, I think it's, I think the division's there for whoever wants it. And I think that for whatever reason, this team hasn't gelled. And, and I, I would say that probably to me, the best example, when I think historically speaking, and this just came up to me, so I'm proud of myself, the 2007 Cubs. If you remember the 2007 Cubs, uh, they just got Lou Pinella. They just got uh, Alfonso Soriano. They got they they totally redid the team, right? And, and Ted Lilly was one of the guys that had just come out, um, you know. But that team didn't really gel, and they won it the last weekend of the season against Cincinnati. They won the division, but it wasn't a, they they weren't in first place until the last week of September. The last yeah. weekend of September. Well, Frank, were, were you around back the, uh, How long have you been at Wrigley working there? I started in 94. Okay, so it's been quite a long time. So you've seen yeah. quite a season in the sun, felt different yeah. vibes at Wrigley Field, winning yeah. seasons, losing season. You've seen it all uh, just like us, except for, uh, except for you're there every day, you're looking yeah. at it at least once a week. Uh, just as seasons compare – 
when you look at like a 2007, when they start to gel, when you look at a 2015, even end of 14, uh, those kind of seasons where you're not expecting anything. Do you get that vibe this year that it could, that it could get on that kind of trajectory? And this is from Frank, the fan, by the way, not Frank, the uh, employee of the Cubs. But um, I don't know, 2015, I did feel it a little bit. I mean, I don't know about you all, but I, I sort of felt, you know, something in uh, 2015. I mean, I didn't expect 2016, but I, I felt something in 2015. Um, I think that we, I mean, I, I agree a lot with what uh Crawley says most of ninety percent of the time. I can't. He speaks for me a lot of times. I can't say what you know what he can say. Um, but I, mean, I, I do feel that we're on a path. I would hate. This just for me. I would hate to lose. Uh, listen to your other people earlier. I, I would hate to lose Strowman. Um, you know that that I, I agree with the guy that was saying. You know we always sell. Let's keep some things. <laughs> um, but I, I mean I I I felt it in twenty fifteen. Uh, I don't feel it yet, but I can see it getting that way. Right. I mean, just, just go back 2003. They weren't, they were about a 500 team until they make the trade to get uh, Aramis Ramirez and Kenny Lofton. Right. Yeah. And 20, 2007, it wasn't until the last weekend of the season that they take first place 2015. They were about a 500 team going into the all-star break and then just went on a tear in the yeah. second half. I mean, this is a team that hasn't really played with each other much. These are guys that are new to the area. There is an adjustment period. Now, again, am I comparing that? Am I saying that they're going to be the same results? No, but you're asking me, is there a pathway? Yeah, nobody ran away. No one's running away with this division. I don't, yeah. I, 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 I don't know if since he can keep up what they're doing, and if they can, cheers to him, man. they got a lot of exciting young players. They've been bad for many, many years to get all those good players. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I would say that... You know, if if Cody Bellinger was gone, I wouldn't be that upset. That would be the one that I would say, okay, I, I can live with that because I feel like there's other pieces behind it. Um, Danny, you mentioned about a rotation and how important a rotation is, and I would hate to see Stroman go. That's the that's the that's the hard thing to try to rebuild. That's a hard thing to try to hit on is to because. You know, like when we've talked before, Danny, there's a lot of outfielders out there right now. So if you lose Cody Bellinger, is 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 your answer Alexander Canario? Don't know. Is it Nelson Velasquez? I don't know. What about PCA? I think he's still, you know, got some time to go. And still but play Morel out there as there, well. You, you know, he plays yeah, everywhere. No, I, dude. No, dude. You got to stop that, dude. I love you to death, and I love no, Christopher Morel. I, I, I don't just, want Morel to just, be that. Just, I want to play third base every day. Personally. I know you do. Yeah. But 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 I. I I digress. I, I don't know 100% why. Um, those aren't his positions. I think he needs a lot of practice out there if you're going to put him in there in a major league game. Yeah. Um, he needs a, He needs one position that he plays every day so he can freaking learn it. That's my point. Right, we, we were it, arguing it, about it, this the other night. It, it's very hard to do that in the middle of a season that you're actually trying to contend in. If you're not trying to contend, then just go ahead and and, and get rid. You know, just go ahead and call back up Matt Mervis. Go ahead and put Morell at third. Go ahead and put uh, one of the young guys in center. If that's what you're going to do, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I believe that they're a team that thinks that they can still win. It just hasn't gelled, and I can't tell you. I mean, obviously, Jamison Tyone is a big one. You got issues at first and third. And you're not getting a lot of power on your corner outfielders. And that's yeah. where you're really getting hurt is the, the power. There's no power. But if you look at this schedule, Boston's, you, you know, we have our best pitchers going against Boston. And Boston has two really good pitchers going up against us. 
Again, and then you got the Nationals, the Cardinals, the White Sox, and the Cardinals again. When you talk about the Cardinals, I mean, is there any more disappointing team in baseball? The answer might be just the White Sox, right? Yeah. And the Nationals are pure garbage. That that was a a series the Cubs lost earlier in the season in Washington that pissed me off. Well, then but we I, lost to the Cardinals too, and that's the difficult thing is uh, right. this. And I, I want to ask Frank. You know, you see this Cubs Cardinals uh, series here on the on the schedule. And uh, of course, then we got the White Sox that we're, we're playing that not till August, the middle of August. When you think about those rivalry games between, you know, when the fans are pretty much split, a lot of Cardinals fans will show up to Wrigley Field. And uh, are you guys on high alert? Like when the when the White Sox come, you're <laughs> like, all right, we got Cardinals coming. We're you know a lot of idiots going to be idioting. You know, the, the White Sox are coming to town. They're going to be fighting over dub stuff. Like, do you guys, like, have a couple extra guys on that you're know, like, all right, let's, you know, definitely need Tony tonight. We need Ralphie tonight. You know, we got your big guns, your big muscle dudes ready wow. to come down, break up some stuff. Well, you know, we, we don't want to uh, tip off our, our, our security strategy, but uh, just, that's what I would say this, though. I would say this. Uh, we're always excited. We're always excited uh, when those rivalries and those teams – uh, come by because you know every day at Wrigley Field is different. You know we could have a a, a smooth St. Louis uh, series and it'd be the Red series that is you know driving us crazy. So right. it really depends on the day. But I wanted to ask you all because I, I really want anybody talking about this. But what do you think about our, our closer situation? I, nobody really talks about that. I'm just curious. What do you think about? Did we have one? Do we have? <laughs> yeah, we got a closer. His yeah, name's what, what Ed, Ed, Ed and and I've been saying this since the beginning of the season. He named closer though, like you know. <laughs> He is the closer, but, you know, sometimes they name you that and they say, you're the closer, that's your job, but they don't seem to be doing that. Why they don't do that, I don't know, but you and I know he's the closer, and I thought he had good stuff because I think that his struggles mainly came against lefties, but if you only have to face, like, one lefty and you're you're giving – you're not starting. You don't have to hold anything in the tank. You can just absolutely let her rip. I, I think the bullpen for the most part is starting to kind of, again, starting to gel. I still think there's a piece or two out there. Maybe they can add it internally. Maybe they can make a trade. I don't know. But I, I think the bullpen's not the problem. The problem to me is the lack of power from the corners. And I would say uh, your fourth and fifth starter. When you talk about Tyone, and then when I say fifth starter, I'm not going to say it. we had Hendricks. When Hendricks came back, I think that helped it. But Drew Smiley has really, really kind of struggled lately. He had a really good start to the season. Uh, almost saw him throw a perfect game. I think that was in the eighth inning. But, but over the last 10, 15 starts, if you take a look at the numbers, it, it's really not good. And so, you know, he's going like four innings, like every yeah. damn game. And Giving like, up dude, a lot of home runs, too. He, a lot he, of hits, a lot of walks. Yeah. And so for me, it, it's – you know, you can't have it where like every time and, and again, he did great against the Yankees the other day. Maybe it happens again. I don't know. But Jamison Tyone's got to turn it on. It can't be almost a guaranteed loss because right now, if you have Tyone being a guaranteed loss, Drew Smiley struggling, that's two losses. One other guy starts to lose. Now you're in a losing streak. And that's where you see these hitters press. And that's where you see the runners in scoring position and you start getting irritated. And I, th- I think also th- that's kind of what I've seen if you're going to zoom out a little bit with the team as a whole. I think their longest winning streak is five. Their longest losing streak is also five. It, you know, it's just they're never going to go too, too, they're too, too long without uh, winning or losing a game. They're n- 
they'll have just as many blowout wins as blowout losses at the beginning of the year it was the one run games that were really snake biting them that kind of evened out a little bit it's uh, everything's a little bit even or slightly below but you're i mean in this division it seems like at any given time like the reds did when they rattled off like 13 in a row and 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 uh, great american started selling out like here's you know frank you see it we're there the Cub fans, we're showing up. We're there 32,000 at least every night, and it could be even better than that. It could be 42,000 freaking rocking the place, like in the, the loudest. I still have tinnitus from 2016. My ears are still ringing from that experience. It was so loud. We're not getting back there, but all the elements are in place except for the magic of a winning team. <laughs> you know, um, that that, that- – that three-hour rain delay game that we had, um, I think it was last weekend, uh, game started at 9, 9 o'clock, 10.30 p.m. People were still in line to buy tickets. The place was packed, and the game started three hours late. So you're right about uh, the fan base showing up. I don't, I can't remember a time when there was a three-hour rain delay and nobody left. Like, I mean, everybody was – and people were in line at 10.30, 12 deep at the ticket windows. We were still selling tickets, so – they, right. Are you sure they didn't want refunds? Because <laughs> <laughs> that would have a lot of people. A lot of hey, what do you mean? I have to. I can't get. It's three hours late. You know. No, but I believe it. And, and the, the broadcasters actually talked about it too. I just know that like we are all there, ready for this to happen, and we were ready for this to be the year where quote unquote next was supposed to start here, right? And yeah. you know, did next start? <laughs> Danny, do you, Danny, do, do, do you remember? Do you remember the quote I gave you, the rhyme I gave you for not this year, but next year? Yeah, was it like you know, uh, not for me in twenty three, <laughs> a little more in twenty four. Right, the Cubs will do more in twenty four. Yeah, I always thought of this year as being that transition year where the team does learn to play with each other. They do learn to gel with each other. You try to find out what you have. Who are these guys among the one-year deals or the final year of the deals do you want to keep? I think 2024 is going to be a big year. Now, I'm not writing off 2023. I'd like to see them do it. But again, that idea that they haven't really gelled yet. And and the one thing that this team's really struggled with, and it's funny because you put the shirtless picture, they haven't had a lot of come-from-behind victories. They're not a really good clutch team. When you talk about going into the seventh, eighth, ninth inning without the lead, that's where they end up struggling. And so that's where I look at it and I say to myself – what's going to make this team believe? I think they get really down on themselves a lot. And I thought that, that Swanson would maybe kind of change that and some of the, and Tyone, but it's hard when it's Tyone and he's not doing crap for him to be like, rah, rah guys, you know? And then I thought that's what grandpa Rossi was supposed to do. But, you know, I, I feel like there's, when the chips get down, they kind of put their heads down a lot. You know well, what I mean? And only I, one walk-off win this year, mm-hmm. just one. Wow. And there's been like three against them. I had written, uh, written off, uh, written down four walk-off losses against them. Uh, Twenty-one blown leads, eighteen comebacks. You know, just you know, kind of evened out, but a little bit on the negative side of things. And yeah, they're not doing like the real magical stuff. Like, what was what was the year that they had so many walk-offs? They had like twelve walk-off, thirteen walk-off wins. Was that fifteen? It seemed, yeah, 15 or 16. I mean, 15 had a lot of, they both had a lot of walk-off wins. 
Yeah, I mean, they just a team that never quit. And then people were getting the big hit. You know, it wasn't like coming up with like a bases loaded walk. It's like, I don't want the bases loaded walk. <laughs> as nice as that is, like, yeah. please bang a double off the wall and clear these bases. So, Danny, looking at this right now, when the Cubs are are trailing into the seventh inning, they're five and 34. Okay. <laughs> when they're trailing, entering the eighth inning, they're two and 38. And when wow. they are, when they're trailing into the ninth inning, they're one and 41. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's the walk off, I guess, or they, yeah. you know, that, that, but that, that right there tells you what I'm trying to talk about is that they're not a team where they're like, we can do this. We can come back. Here we come. Like it's very rare. Doesn't happen often. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's just a shame because we are there waiting for it. You know, <laughs> Frank is ready to tell us to settle down. <laughs> Because we're so excited. You're like, all right, guys, that's enough. Now everybody sit out again. <laughs> but 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 I, I I think I think it's it's I feel like there's a chance I it's they have to come out of the gate. They they yeah. they've they've screwed around way too much now. They gotta come out of the gate. If they sit there and they don't win the majority of these series, if not all these series in the remaining month of July, not saying win them all the games, but I'm saying winning series, series. and putting together a run then Jed and Carter are going to have to make decisions that maybe we all don't want them to make to make this team not as good in the, well, in the immediate short term. You got two weeks. Yeah. You got two weeks left, and with this team could look very different if they do. They do have some pieces they could move out. I don't think they're just going to, like, fire sale it for the teenagers this time. I don't think there's any point to that. You kind of at least want to set a market that doesn't make you look like a chump, you know? Right. But, um, but yeah, things could look that we were talking about it earlier. They're calling it the soft sell. It's yeah. just, oh, it just makes it grosses me out. I'm sorry, just Not like, really because it makes me think of that was a tainted love from the 80s. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what I mean. That doesn't that's soft sell, right? Yeah, yeah, it is, but it doesn't make for a very good baseball team, you know. Hashtag soft sell. Well, yeah, I mean, there was soft sell with a C. We're talking soft sell with a S. Um, anyway, I just, you know, it's boring to me is what I'm saying. Like, we're all used to the – remember when we used to, like, get the big free agent, always got the best free agent, yeah. and then if we needed the closer, we got the closer, and we always just did all the things that you needed to do to win, and that's not where they're, they are right now. And I think we were ready as fans to have a season like this, and we're, we're not quite getting it. Um, but Hey, what did you say? We're getting more in 24. <laughs> the Cubs will do more in 24. The Cubs will thrive in 25. That that's, and then we couldn't figure out anything for 23. Like 23 is going to smell like pee or something. I don't remember. <laughs> we're trying to, we're trying to figure out something, but I truly believe that, that, that this is, this is a bridge team that's going to do a lot better last next year. I know no one wants to hear that. It, it doesn't, again, it doesn't make for a good hashtag. It just I, I I I when I came on the round table at the beginning of the year opening night before opening day, I said about eighty three to eighty four wins without was what I was looking at. And right now they're looking they're projecting slightly under that, but that again that can turn around in the second half. And, and speaking, of, speak, speaking of twenty four, um, the schedule came out today, I believe. For yeah, uh, did anything stand out to you all about, about the schedule? Um, and Baez coming back, and I yeah, you got so. Baez and Rizzo coming back, which is going to be exciting. Uh, that those are the things. Obviously, I got circled right away, but you know, it, it looks like there's some fun series in there, and uh, you don't see like a really long West Coast road yeah. trip, which kind of no. stuck out to me. Yeah, I, I would like to see Seattle 
that's one of the ballparks I've never visited before. Infield Fly Girl from – she's not here tonight, but she does the Sun Ranto show with us. And, uh, you know, she was actually participating in all of the All-Star Game weekend stuff, which is why she's not here. And I definitely want to go out there and check that. My friend Gary lives out there, also come on the Sun Ranto show a bunch. We went to the World Series together and stuff. He's a Cleveland fan. <laughs> Unfortunate for him, but um, – Anyway, that's the, that's the only thing that really stuck out for me about a trip I wanted to take. Um, I wouldn't mind Boston or KC. Yeah, man, I already saw those, so I'm just kind of looking at the stuff that I've never done before, and I would like to hit all thirty. I, um, I always Atlanta's the only one in the National League I have not been to, and it just always yeah. falls at some time that I can't go. <laughs> um, but someday I'll get down there. How about you? Anything stand out to you? Well, I was just shocked to see Texas first uh, again. That, yeah, that that was uh, shocking to me. But I'm I want to go to that one because one of our uh, staff members now is a manager of guest services down there, so it'd be cool to see him. But uh, that stood out to me, and of course the bias stood out to me, and also the, uh, the the international MLB schedule sort of stood out to me about what they're doing in spring training. I think they're going to the DR during spring training, and so that international schedule sort of stood out. To, I think they're going to Seoul, I believe, and um, Seoul, yeah. So that stood out to me as well. The the the, the expanded schedule guess we're going uh, abroad more now so yeah it should be fun we'll see what happens man mlb i think they're doing um you know i talked to i talked to you frank i talked to other people on the fly the w podcast about what that international series was like in london and from what everybody said it was like wow it seemed like they put a lot more effort this time than they did like last time they're like look everybody it's cubs or it's yankees red sox and they just rolled it out there and didn't do much this time it seemed like they they put in a lot more effort and i think that's going to continue going forward well, uh, no matter what happens, we'll be there and we'll be having a fun time doing it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so uh, we're going to take uh, just one more quick break and uh, I'm going to say goodbye to you guys. Thank you for coming on. I did drop the link to, to uh, the Mistaken Identity podcast and I'll also drop the link to the Fly the W podcast in the, in the next break. And um, But uh, thanks for coming on. What I'm going to play a commercial for right now is uh, – it's just our QR codes, basically, and it's a song begging you to give us money. So if you would just like take out the camera app on your phone, scan scan on there. We will spend all the money uh, on tickets and beer at Wrigley Field, and I will help Frank uh, control the crowd at Wrigley Fields by chopping cup snakes in half. So- <laughs> So thanks for thanks for coming on the show, Frank and Crawley, as always. And uh, we'll be right back and we're going to uh, forget the show ever happened. It's the time in the Sun Ranto show where you can show your love for wasting another perfect night just talking about the Cubs. And if you thought that we were entertaining, smart, and funny, then scan these QR codes right now and give us all your money. Because here in the USA, we won't do shit unless we get paid. Won't you support? Oh
Well, it looks like it's just me to finish off this podcast. Uh, hashtag chance in the chat, and you could win a Frank Chance postcard sent to you by me with a message of love and doom. Uh, as always, please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash sunranto. It is literally how we keep the lights on here at the show. We wouldn't do it without all of our awesome 115 Patreon supporters who support us here. I'd like to thank everybody that came on tonight uh, to the Rancho Roundtable. We had Sarah Sanchez, Mike Waller from the Cubs PS Plus podcast, Cody Del Mendo. We had uh, Jeremy from Wrigleyville uh, Nation. We had Alex, Pat. Uh, we had, uh, God, who else? K-Fids. We had... Um, Joe Kilgallen, Zach Funk, Billy DeVore. We had Frank Walker and we had Crawley on the show. That is a star-studded cast of maniacs, and I appreciate them all being here tonight. Um, I do have one announcement, and that is that on September 20th, it's uh, Dan Nielsen is a rancher we lost last year. It's his birthday. And we're all going to hang out uh, in the bleachers with his parents and his friends from Omaha and uh, where he was living at the time when he died. And uh, anyway, uh, get a bleacher ticket. It's September 20th. It is a Wednesday against the Pirates. Uh, we're all going to hang out there. Just buy yourself a bleacher ticket and uh, let me know you're coming. I'm going to make a Facebook event for it very soon. It'll be on the Sun Ranto show site and co-hosted by me and uh, and, uh, I guess, uh, the Sun Ranto show as well. So they're about 25 bucks on SeatGeek right now. If you've never used SeatGeek before, use our code Sun Ranto and you get some money off and we get a little bit of money too. Um, so yeah, hashtag chance in the chat. I have one TFG and it comes, uh, the, or TFC, this comes from IFG infield fly girl. She was out at the, the all-star game enjoying the festivities and said, um, also the next person that looks at my Jersey and says, fuck you do me is going home with a sore jaw. <laughs> so, uh, get, getting a lot of that out there. Unfortunately, the same thing uh, also happens from time to time in uh, at Wrigley field. A lot of people wearing those jerseys, a lot of people saying that, and look at that. There's something on my, on my eye, wipe that away and let's pull uh, a winner. I'm going to share my screen here for the giveaway tool and uh, got way more than nine entries in the chat, even though it only says nine, but I'm going to, I'm going to push it. I'm pushing the button. Let's see who the winner's going to be of the message of love and doom. And it's captain charisma, 1988. Congratulations. I don't know who you are, uh, but please contact me at Sunranto on Twitter or uh, you can uh, write sunranto at gmail.com and um, I will send you a message of love and doom. You're also uh, entered to win the fabulous bag of prizes, which includes a Greg Maddox rookie card. Um, anyway, I had a great time. Um, uh, Ke Kevin Fiddler writes in cough, cough. I said K Fids like three times, Kevin. God, listen. Um, no, I, I think I did anyway. I, I went right through the list. Um, anyway, that is the show. That is the rant around table. Thank you to everybody who tuned in tonight. I had a good time. Um, 
I just had a good time. I, I love Cubs fans. I love that we have so many different uh, voices in Cubs landia that, uh, that help us out uh, to understand what the heck's going on with Chicago Cubs. You can't know everything, but if we all know a little bit and tell each other about it, then we'll all know more. And as David Kaplan once said, Bukog or go Cubs backwards. Uh, Spagog, everybody. Here's a song called Steve Garvey's Hairy Arms. Stupid handsome face But I was at home crying 
Steve Garvey's area! 